Hey friends, welcome. Uh, today I'm presenting to you a conversation I just had a, with a friend of mine, Ethan Hackett. He's been on the podcast before. He's just a, a, a good thinker and a super interesting conversation partner. I have never had a conversation with Ethan and not wanted it to continue. Uh, but I'll, well, I don't actually agree with the statement, all good things must come to an end. But in this context, in this season of life, that is true for now, at least. Um, but yeah, we just sat down, had a conversation, I don't know, probably something like two hours and super interesting. We talked, um, a little bit based on a, a film he had watched that he found interesting. He recommended to me, don't look up. So I watched that. Uh, don't worry. We don't give it all away. So if you want to, I'd, I'd say go give it a watch. It's certainly thought provoking. Um, and, and, and as a result of that, we talked about alarmism. Um, we talked about alarmism in a variety of contexts, uh, politics, cultural culture, personal relationships, social media. Um, I don't know. Hmm. I feel like there was like some really good, wise advice that we came to in ways. But on the other hand, I feel like we're in the midst of conversation and processing and trying to figure out a good path forward. Um, I want to say more, but at some level, I think I should just let the conversation kind of stand for itself. So big thanks to Ethan, and I hope you find this thought-provoking and interesting. If you have any follow-up thoughts or comments, feel free to reach out. As always, feel free to text me, and uh, your text will just go straight to my inbox. If you text 315-566-0056, that's 315-566-0056, um, be blessed. Peace. Okay, yo, hey, we are live. How's All it right. going, Ethan? <laughs> I'm doing great. I'm doing. I'm doing. Doing great, dude. I'm glad we were able to connect. Yeah, thanks for uh, having me. So you're up just for a few days. Uh, yep, yep. We're heading back. Uh, I think probably Saturday or so. Okay, so we've we've done a couple of these, but not yeah. live. Yeah, you're bigger than the on screen, Jamie. You're yes, in IRL. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, we'll, we'll we'll have to see how this goes. I've done a couple live, and they've been like the uh, after the fact editing was tricky, but I think mm-hmm. I've improved the setup. So, um, yeah. You had suggested a movie to watch a couple of weeks ago. I yeah. watched it, and I, it got me thinking about alarmism. Mm. <clears throat> For the sake of not giving away spoilers, I don't want to address the movie directly too much. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but the movie was Don't Look Up. Yep. It was DiCaprio and oh, who's the other? Um, oh, no. The, the like, there, there was a bunch. I uh, mean, yeah, there are a lot of like A-list, but the uh, the other lead is the girl from Hunger Games. Yeah. I'm blinking, blinking she played the like the the shapeshifter in some Marvel movie. Yeah. Anywho, that person. Yes. Um. Yeah. Jennifer Lawrence. Up. Jennifer Lawrence. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So it was it was interesting. I would say in some ways it was like a spoof or silly, but in other ways very serious and like yeah. thought provoking. Yeah. Um. And it was like one of those apocalyptic end of the world scenarios. So yeah. it got me thinking about alarmism. I don't know what the director had in mind. What do you think was in mind for the director? I think uh, it Don't Look Up had a lot of different layers of social okay. context that I think maybe it was hinting at, or the director or writers or whoever's you know, creating and, and, and putting that forward. Uh, I think they hit on a bunch of different things, um, which I, I like about comedy movies or sci-fi or fictional stories because it, in some ways it catches you off guard. Right, you're watching this thing or reading a story, and it circumvents your natural self-defense because the story you get wrapped up in it, and all of a sudden it's like, oh, but here's this thing, this interesting thing I want you to think about. Um, so, 
in in there was like lots of layers oh man um which one did i find most thought-provoking and i think some of it was the juxtaposition because i watched it when when covid was like kind of in the middle i think it came out like a year ago so it was like still things were pretty yeah pretty kind of you know tense uh and i mean lots of opinions and lots of statements on people's front yards on their on their signs i have a professor this term who probably every other week brings yeah. up covid and like his frustration with the fact that not everything is like shut down still it's yeah. ridiculous it, well it's <laughs> and i don't want to knock any any particular person's perspective on this because it's a really complex topic and everyone is making value assessments based on their own like what's important to them uh sometimes maybe it's health maybe it's liberty maybe it's socializing all these different things so it's like i think that's it's a really complex you know situation but um you know, there's this house on our block when you walk around, it's got this sign up front and it, it says, in this house, we believe. And it's like, we believe in science. And I'm like, nice. Okay. Whatever that means. <laughs> I, I don't know what that means, but like, I well, think I most houses do. do. Um, I don't know why you need to clarify that. Right. But in in the movie, you know, you have, I don't, I don't know how much to get into the movie, but you basically have these scientists that they see something happening and they start sounding the alarm on this thing. And then it shows kind of a parody of, how different aspects of society react to that news. Some groups are like, yes, it's the end of the world. Some are poo-pooing it. Some are poo-pooing it, but planning, you know, uh, something else uh, for themselves. Um, And then it also ties into some of the political aspect where the whole, even the name I mean, can we say, well, like the sure. premise? I mean, I think if you watch a trailer, yeah, you'll, you'll probably yeah. know. Um, spoiler alert. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, it's the same It's the same story as like Armageddon. Exactly. It's, right. There's it's like, like another funny one. Funny Armageddon, right? Yeah. It's um, <laughs> you know, so in the movie at some point, there's an asteroid that's coming and they're like, uh, one political party says, don't look up. Like, that's their whole thing. Well, what if there's an asteroid coming? Well, don't look at it. Don't, don't look up and right. then just keep your head down and then it do- ceases to exist. And, and, and the, the idea is at that point with the naked eye, you could observe this comet. Yes. And so it's like, just look up and see the truth. Did you notice the, it was an interesting swipe. There was this like person who was like, had the arrow both directions. <laughs> yeah. Like, look up, look down. look down. Like, I'm just trying to like, let's not be Bring polarized. together. Why can't we meet in the what middle? What was interesting about that in that situation was I think the, the director was taking a swipe at people who try to mediate and just have conversations. Uh, because in, in the director's mind, uh, there was an urgent reality. Yeah. Uh, I think, I suspect the director's thinking global warming. Yeah. I thought it was yeah. a global warming film. And it made me think of, and, and I, you know, I, I was going to try to find a list of, of these alarmist type statements, but I mm-hmm. didn't have time to look much. I do know... There was a really famous, in like the late 1980s, a climate scientist predicted that Manhattan would be underwater by 2000. Yeah. Um, th- there was uh, some sort of like national park with glaciers that had a sign that talked about how all the glaciers would be melted by like 2010. And they had to remove the sign because in 2010 there were still glaciers. Yeah. Uh, you know, there's the signs people had at protests, you know, five 10 years ago, you know, you're going to die of old age. I'm going to die of climate change. You know, young right. people saying that yes. and the idea that people 50 years from now are going to be dying from the climate is just uh, ridiculous. In fact, at the moment, I think climate change is saving lives. Um, there are fewer people dying from heat than being saved by not dying from cold right now. Uh, now I assume that'll change 50 yeah. years from now. I imagine more people will be dying from heat. Um, 
But like, it's an interesting that we're actually in a moment where climate change is saving lives. It's complicated though. But but I think the director of this film is like, in ten years, Manhattan's going to be underwater. It's a fact. And so if you even try to have like a balanced conversation about this, you're the enemy. Yeah. Did you notice that swipe on the, the, the Tudor Arrow guy? I'm trying to remember if I have the Tudor Arrow guy. I definitely... I was watching really critically because yeah. you would, you would uh, rec- like recommend it as like a conversation fodder. Yeah. I was like, okay. So I think I like actually I was watching the there's... film at like 2x and just like taking notes. <laughs> I think there's I think there's there's a lot of different uh, aspects you could look at. You know, um, for, for me, what was really standing out to me was this. You had a couple scientists saying that this thing was happening. But then when that information was presented to the world, what people's reactions were uh, was revealing, I guess, maybe how we have biases to some Mm. of that information. You could either go full tilt and say, oh, it's the end of the world. Or you could go full tilt the other other way and say, nope, it's not. Nothing's happening. Don't look up. But but maybe there's like there is a middle ground where I don't necessarily know where we're going globally. Or I guess rather what I would say is I believe that. If you inject any any too much of something into a system, you're going to have side effects. So what are the side effects of us burning tons of fuel? There's there's probably something. The same way if you know if you drink too much water, well you can actually drain minerals out of your body and Correct. you can die of drowning yeah. if you actually drink too much. Not drinking <clears throat> enough is also a problem. So let's not have like hey ban all water, but on the other hand, it's yeah. like just we need to consume a lot more water. So there I think there's there's some kind of not middle ground, but it's just a very complex system, and to jump to extremists on any anything has its risks. Maybe, but there are times when like alarmism is justified. I mean, I imagine your you know your, your child just ate a whole bottle of like oxycodone or something, yeah. and you're like, oh my goodness, they're gonna die in yes. like an hour yeah. unless we go get their pump, stomach pumped. Like, that's like a code red. Yeah. And there's no room there for the, hey, let's just step back and think. Of, it's like, no, right. no, like, I know they're going to die in an hour. Yeah. We're just rushing to the ER to get their stomach pumped. Yes. Um, yes. And what's tricky is if if someone thinks that, take yeah. COVID. Yeah. I think uh, both early in COVID and then even a year later in 21 and, and presently with one yeah. of my professors, uh, I think there's a sense of COVID is code red there's mm-hmm. no need to have a conversation right any notion of be balanced or don't take an extreme position is noxious mm-hmm. because the kid just ate a whole bottle of oxycodone and we got it from their stomach and and so like the thing is with covid i don't think it in retrospect i think most people would agree even from week one of lockdowns i was like I think I'll uh, whatever. This is complicated, and but like week one, I was yeah. like, everybody's gonna get COVID. Yeah, we're all gonna know people who die. Doesn't have to be a big deal. And I yeah. know people who are like, dude, that sounds so callous. And I was like, it's just yeah. reality. Yeah. So <laughs> and like it's kind of where things landed. But yeah. like, if you think that is code red, there's no room for like the the reasonable conversation. I think similarly global warming. Like yeah. I think they're wrong. But yeah. people who think that like everybody's going to die in 10 years from global warming if that were true i think it's false but if it were true right. they should have like the breakdown on live tv like the scientist in the movie like yes. she, she like freaks out and like runs off set because people aren't taking her seriously like we're all going to die and i'm like mm. well if mm. we're all going to die you should yes. do that right and, and this is maybe perhaps where uh, actions should follow up with beliefs and um, let's maybe go back in time a little bit uh, and i'll i'll share some what I saw to be alarming 
then kind of pivoted my perspective and saw something else that was more alarming than I thought. Okay, right. so going back into 2018 and then into early 2019, for whatever reason, I was on Instagram in a channel following the Hong Kong protests. Yes. So independent Hong Kong. Um, and uh, so it was just, it was interesting listening to these independent journalists who were trying to do their thing. Somewhere in that space, people started talking about some virus thing. Pe- people are disappearing. Very briefly on uh, Hong Kong, do you know Camille Foster? He's a journalist with Freethink. He went to Hong Kong at that time, and he's a yeah. guy I follow closely. But anyway, okay, so COVID is on the scene now. So yeah, yeah. So all of a sudden, you know, like this thing is is popping up, and um, and seeing some of like the really harsh responses and what was happening in COVID, and then seeing people disappear. Yeah. So a couple people disappeared off of uh, <laughs> Telegram, and people couldn't find them. And so I was like, well, that's that's a reason to be alarmed. Uh, I don't know. At that time, I was like, is this government disappearing people? Right. Is this virus disappearing? What? I, something alarming is happening there. So I don't I don't even know when. Um, I just know Colleen and I actually were here in Potsdam. We had a conversation. Mm-hmm. And we were like, I'm really alarmed. And she's like, me too. And I was like, when we get back home, do you want to stock up on some stuff? And we were like, I think it's time. Were you on the front end of, front end of the toilet paper? Yes. <laughs> nice. So... <laughs> We, but we had this, we were kind of talking about it with, you know, family at the time. And they were like, no, it's fine. You know, blah, 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 poo-poo. You know, it's nothing. And uh, so I was like, okay, well, um, I'm a bit alarmed. So we went back home. We made a decently large purchase uh, of food, toilet paper, just things. And this was yeah. like re- really early on. Like January. Like, yes. I mean, yeah. it was. And so I'm, I'm thinking. So that was still like just videos on twitter from china but yes. nothing else nothing else china it, that it hadn't, aware of. hadn't even made it outside where did it go next was italy? it italy so it was pre-italy italy spain and then it, here, yeah yeah and so we, we we had this stuff and um and so we're waiting because inevitably if this is as bad as we're starting to think what will follow the actions that will follow are going to have to be really 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 harsh right so i'm, I'm sitting there i'm looking up uh videos on quarantining ebola uh, the process for uh, sanitizing things. So, like, actual quarantine process. Yeah. And so, as that happens, I'm, I'm expecting literally military lockdown. Um, because that was what ha- was happening in China. Because that was what was happening in China. They were, like, boarding up buildings. But you have to. Yeah. Like, you can't, you know, if you, were, if you were to try and stop the transmission of something, you literally have to lock everyone in the house for such a long period of time that if one person's infected... And they infect the next person, and that person infects. Like it has to be able to burn through that entire lockdown community before you can let anyone come back out of it. And so, the fact that there were like two weeks to slow the spread, I'm thinking, wait a minute, makes no sense. This doesn't make any sense right. because you may not even show symptoms for like a week. So by then, you have infected a whole other group of people, and they're not going to show until you open up two weeks later and come back out? I'm like that, that's kind of weird. You have, to, you have to lock down everybody for a month to yes. like snuff it out. That way, the people it, who have it. Recover, I mean, at die, the minimum. And, and yeah. that doesn't count, like, the people that, you know, skirted the regulations right. or, you know, uh, the person who had to work to actually provide heat, but they got it. Like, sure. so it's it, in one. Th- it, so it was I was just I was kind of starting to see that the response from our from experts and authority weren't lining necessarily up with what was kind of being painted on the extreme end, right? right. Like, hey, this is the most ex- extremely, you know, like, contagious, and this is deadly. We're going to, wa- like, tons of people are going to wipe out. And then you had the Surgeon General come on and say, I'm going to show you how to make a mask using a T-shirt. And I was like, that's BS. 
I was like, hang on a second. I just watched PPE experts who are working in you know level four bio labs, what they go through to don their PPE and take it on and off, and the extreme you know sanitization and measures that you have to deal with you know with something like Ebola. I was like, a t-shirt won't won't work. It's literally as silly as saying a cheesecloth condom. I'm right. like, I'm not saying that you can't block some sperm with that cheesecloth condom. But it's not going to be effective. But you, yeah. you, like, you don't understand how many sperm are released. Like, yeah. you're going to get pregnant. Maybe not today, but you're, like, you're still going to get it, right? And so I, I just started seeing these things where I was expecting, if you're saying it's this bad, you, the countermeasures have to be this draconian. But then it kind of wasn't. And so that's what that was to me is kind of the indicator. So going back to what you're saying about like global warming, right. I'm not saying that our our climate isn't modulating or that and what we're I doing isn't is. contributing, yeah. but at the same time, to tell me that like electric EV batteries is going to solve everything, you know, and electric cars, yeah. when it's I don't what, what percentage of California is EVs like two percent or right. something crazy, and even that gets what powers all this EV coal, coal <laughs> nuclear power, I mean, some sun, but like I think it's like ten or fifteen percent of our energy right now is renewable, yeah. and even that that the the process of manufacturing renewable energy sources, batteries, etc., is actually a very expensive process, and by yes. expensive I don't just mean dollars, I mean expensive like energy, energy. Right. meaning coal, natural gas. Uh, which doesn't mean it's a bad thing. I'm actually no. a big fan of electric cars, yes. but I don't think electric cars are really much of a solution to the climate crisis. Yeah, and so I think it's just a uh, an overreaction to something that I'm not saying is or isn't a real problem. I don't. I don't. I'm not sold right. either way. And this is maybe well, I, to preface this a little bit. Like I think um, belief in things is on a scale of zero to. A, 200 if you or zero to 10 just imagine right and so in the middle is five which is i have no idea i have no invested opinion because i haven't researched this at all and so what i think happens is on one side uh you have you know zero which is this absolutely did not happen then you get to kind of in the middle they're like i'm i'm leaning more towards this happening or not happening and then you get in the middle it's like i have no idea then you start leaning more towards i think this is probably what's happened and then you get all the way at the other end and you're like oh this absolutely happened and so where am i on global warming I'm I'm kind of on like that. I don't know that it's happening. I like I think there's also a good case for um, uh, grand solar minimum, where you know we've got potential pole shifting, right. magnetic pole shifts, and we could actually go into an ice age. I, I have no idea. You right. know, I, I you can find resources on everything. I'm not super invested in one or the other. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think there were like global winter scares as recently as like the early '90s. And and what's interesting about it is that there was like a famous one about like you know the next ice age i think in like the 60s or 70s it was like a cover story on time magazine then you had like the global warming stuff i think climate scientists were predicting global warming at least in the 80s maybe earlier yeah but yeah. then there was still like in, there were still scientists who were like concerned about one of the things i've realized with climate is uh climate science is still young I mean, take meteorology, weather forecasting. Yeah. It's gotten pretty impressive. But with meteorology, you can essentially update your models on a daily, weekly basis. You, you yeah. make hypotheses. You, you take in a bajillion pieces of data. Yeah. And then every day, you get to verify like how your system's doing and rebuild it. With the climate, we started tracking climate closely maybe a couple centuries ago we started tracking tons of data points maybe a few decades ago yeah and essentially in climate 
climatology where meteorology you're you're updating like weeks and days and climatology you're updating in decades and centuries yeah meaning we're in some ways you might say like a few days into meteorology when it comes to climatology (laughs) sure sure yeah yeah, do we have some interesting stuff yeah yeah is it gonna take like many centuries more before we have like relatively decent Mm. climate Mm -hmm. prediction capacity yeah I, i i do think there is global warming it's hard to imagine that greenhouse emissions don't f- contribute. Uh, but the alarmism, the whole yeah. like Manhattan's going to be underwater by 2000. I mean, we look back and you can chuckle. But that's like what serious people were saying. Yeah. Uh, I, I, would, I don't think climate scientists are saying this, but serious like figures in media and politics are on board with the whole, you know, five years ago. It, was it Greta Thornburg or whatever? Um, Norway? Sweden? Fail. Somewhere in uh, <laughs> Netherlands? Somewhere in Northern yeah, Europe. Yeah, yeah. And uh, sh- she was on her, her rampage, and there was yeah. like the Green New Deal with the AOC yep. and that wing of the, the leftist party. Yeah. Uh, like this notion that young people today are all going to die because of the climate. It's just, yeah. it's, it's clear alarmism. But, but what's tricky is like, so one of the things I like to do is... I. I'm not trying to fall into both sidesism, but I think often human nature is underlying these issues, not just a bad ideology. Yes. Um, And so one of the things that's helpful for me is thinking about like, uh, I've had conversations with uh, leftist friends about gun control and they're Mm -hmm. like, if there's one school shooting, we should take away all the guns. Right. And and, and I'm like, you can't think straight. But then I I have a similar conversation. I remember with with a conservative friend five years ago um, time flies man it's probably more like a decade ago now yeah. <laughs> it's like five years ago now that's not true uh, i think obama was still president so more than five years ago and but they were like if there's one boston bomber mm-hmm. we should have zero immigrants because mm-hmm. what if another immigrant i think the boston bombers were from oh, fail they were not american born they they immigrated and so there's this sense of like if there's and and i told them and i, yeah. I think this is perfectly reasonable as like if we were going to have a terrorist per 100,000 immigrants, I'm still fine with immigration. Like, right, hey, right. let's try to do it. Like, let's try to vet. Like, I'm not interested well, we in 100,000 every immigrant as if they're terrorists. That's right. sloppy and logic. Immigration is valuable. I think immigration yes. is valuable in multiple ways. It's valuable economically if you're just stepping yeah. back and playing SimCity with the United States. Uh, it's also valuable, like, Americans should have the freedom to engage in hospitality to aliens. Um, yeah. I think it's a biblical principle. I, you don't just have to be a Christian to be interested, but I'm certainly yeah. interested as a Christian. Uh, I, I know just a couple of years ago, I and some others I know spent tens of thousands helping some Iranian refugees, Christians who are fleeing persecution. And we had to work through Canada because the mm. United States wasn't accepting any more uh, like religious refugees. It was just like wow. a much more complicated line yeah. because we have such uh, tight restriction. But I'm like, I want to host... And so we worked with some friends in Cornwall, and so they're they're in now, which is awesome. And but I was like, how sad is it that for us to engage in healthy biblical uh, hospitality to an alien in need, mm-hmm. we have to work through Canada? Yes, like, that's a bummer to me. Yeah. And and I realize we can't have unfettered immigration and unchecked right. refugee, mm-hmm. you know, uh, intake. Like I, I'm totally a fan of monitoring both. But but yeah, I'm, I'm I think there's a value both economically and mm, principally mm-hmm. in immigration to the point where even if I can tell you for a fact we're going to take in a terrorist next year, 
I'm like, hey, let's take. But we don't know who it is, immigrants. and and that's that's my you know the the challenge, and, and I think we saw this with COVID as another good example where uh, you know the one person who wasn't wearing a mask, they were the only person currently infected with COVID, and they were the person who infected you. Like that was that was the logic at the time. You right. know, somebody I saw it so many times on, on Twitter. Like, oh, I flew and I and I came down with COVID or COVID. I did all the things. It I was had mask. Unmasked I, person. It was yeah. an unmasked person who was on that plane who took his mask off to eat his French fries or whatever. Like, right. and it's you have like you have narrowly put your perspective down to you've oversimplified the variables so much that your alarmism has fed to paranoia, and that paranoia is now. You're you're right. labeling an entire group of people based off of something that you have literally no. It's right. not connected. So, so so here's the question though. So like if if alarmism is something that that humans tend towards, which I would posit. I mean, yeah. I think you know on the one side it's like zero refugees if they could be terrorists, uh, zero guns if they could be used for yeah. bad, zero uh, green uh, carbon emissions if it could lead to global warming, zero whatever, zero unvaccinated if they could yeah. you know just these extreme positions um on things that i think objectively are, are not that obvious it's not like mm-hmm. we know that the world's going to end in six months yes. that's kind of a silly postulate it's an interesting thought experiment but it's right. like in reality most of these predictions turn out to be false mm-hmm. they're wielded and and so that's what i'm curious why is it that people tend towards alarmism uh, i think maybe there's multiple factors like Hmm. What are your thoughts? Yeah, so two parts. One part, uh, I think, is looking at uh, repeating nature of, of, of humanity, like the repeating patterns that we go through. So certain things are like, this has happened how many times in the past as a society or something? We, we can look back and say, oh, this is probably going to happen. At some point, the United States won't exist. Uh, that's, Valid. I mean, yeah, that, that's, you know, that's human history. It's human history. At Nations some point, this empire will fall. Yeah. It, it could be, you know, a year. It could be, you know, 5,000 years. I don't really know. Well, probably not 5,000. I don't know, you know, how the longest, yeah. you know, empires lasted. But Some Chinese dynasties were around for a long time. But yeah. So at some point, just, you know, so it's something will happen. I don't know. Um, so we could, like, I think one part is like looking back at hum, uh, human nature and history. Going back into the human nature, as so one of the things I do as a, a conversion designer is when my entire goal is to get people to operate in this subconscious state. So you have a sympathetic and parasympathetic state. And in one state, you're operating in autopilot. Um, is a good example. I got in my car today, and I just drove here. I didn't really inspect anything. Right. I just assumed, since I just drove it from you know Rochester to Potsdam, that everything was still probably fine. The most I did was looked at my gas you know gauge, and I assumed that it's right, because it's always been right. right. So um, so as a, as a conversion designer... My my entire like mode of operation is from the second that email gets in your in your phone, the subject line should match and feel consistent and coherent with the visuals when you open it. And then when you click on that visual and you get to the website, that should feel consistent and it should allow us to give you this seamless experience where you are your mind doesn't engage critically. Right. That's what we don't want. We don't want critical thinking. We want passive compliance. Right. And, and that's marketing. Okay. Now, uh, just for people listening who don't know what a conversion is, what does that mean? Yeah. So conversion is um, we want people to do things on the website, whether it's buy a product, sign up for a, a thing, uh, you know, reach out and contact us, whatever that is. We want you to actually do the thing. So right now it's Black Friday. Everyone is getting all of the emails from all the companies. Now, the subject line is trying to get your attention. So it says, like, buy one, get one free. 
you open that email and it says, get, you know, 5% off. You're like, wait a minute. I thought it was buy one, get one free, right? So immediately your, your level of trust in whatever that it's, what process is has diminished drastically. Right. And then the graphic is like broken. You know, it's missing right. some aspects. You're like, the quality on this isn't great. Their, their subject may have gotten you to the next level on the pipeline, but then at some point it became rough, yeah. bumpy, and it's all like, smooth. You know, it's like blue. You've got your Best Buy yellow and blue, and you're like, cool. You click on it, and then you get to another website, and you're like, wait a minute. This is Walmart, but I thought the ad was this. So your your level of trust is diminishing, but what is actually happening is your your mind is engaging now. So you're starting to become very critical and alert and and alarmed would be an, a, you know and is kind of where I'm going with right. this. Um, I think going back to early man, uh, whether you're young Earth or old Earth or whatever, at right. some point we're living in the woods, right? And we're it's it's pretty rough uh, unless aliens dropped us off. Right. I'm not going to do that. Uh, <laughs> There's the hunter gatherer <laughs> well, yeah. context. So yeah, yeah, so let's go. Let's let's all just agree that hunter gathering in some capacity is the stage. Um, you're walking through the woods. You know this area pretty well. You know the trees. You know the landmarks. You know the, the vegetation. You're you're very acclimated to your environment. But then you see something out of your peripheral vision. And your your like mind acknowledges that that's something that is is it, you should be paying attention to. Right. So you switch from this. Hey, I was just going to go top down a tree to I'm on guard. So then you look at that and you're like, I don't recognize what that is. Yeah, it, it, it's the animal. white tail deer popping the deer up. Just like something's off. Something's I heard off. Something I saw right. something. My mind is now fight or flight. You know, so was it fight, flight, uh, freeze, <laughs> freeze, or engage? I think there's oh, a, yeah, they've added a couple. Yeah. I think onto it since yes. when I first was introduced to it. But um, but now that that part of your mind is activated, you're looking actively for something that's al- that's alarming, and then you, you start you know processing uh, that. We're terrible at that. So whether it's somebody who dresses differently than us, looks differently, has a different accent, li- you know, listens to different music, you name it. We are bombarded with out-of-context situations, which we find, find alarming. And so it's really easy for us to say, all or nothing. Like, that's a bad person. I jump to a conclusion and come to the most extreme version. That person makes me uncomfortable because I can't, I don't know what to do with them. And I'm, mm-hmm. I'm, all, I'm in this hunk, like, uh, hyper-active, critical state of mind, and I'm trying to solve it. And so um, I think we as humans tend to be doing that. Um, and we can be, I think... You know, take advantage of what intentionally or, or unintentionally and start falling into groups that then validate that thing. And then we become self-perpetuating in whatever that thing is. Um, I don't know if that helped. Uh, yeah, no, or... I, th- I, th- I think that's definitely part of it. Yeah. I mean, you tapped essentially into. So uh, regardless of one's take on evolution, I feel like evolutionary psychology is often referenced in a way where I'm like, you don't have to believe in evolution to believe that. Correct. Because yeah. all it's doing is making observations about people. Mm-hmm. Now, it tries to then base the observation in like, well, this would be useful for humanity. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, but God may have also created us with things that are useful to humanity. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> and the yeah. idea of, of um, yeah, needing to have some mechanism to say like, hey, I, I like – like a survival instinct. Um, yeah. And I think you can even blend sin into the process. Uh, and by that, I mean, um, so, so for example, one thing that you can see in studies is that uh, happy events mm-hmm. are less powerful or poignant in someone's psychology than sad events yeah. or, or traumatic events. That makes sense. Um, 
And, and I think, you know, the evolutionary psychologist would say, well, yeah, you know, you evolved because the, the members of the species who were extra careful for the bad events were less likely to like die. Cause then, you know, jump off the cliff after seeing somebody right. else jump off the cliff. Yeah. Don't uh, let your kid drink that. You know, exactly. Uh, so, but, but I don't think you have to believe in evolution necessarily to realize like, Hey, we, we God created us. I, uh, to have like survival instincts yes. and to, you know, be aware and be able to use wisdom and add on to that, just like that creative design, add sin into the mix and mm-hmm. I'm going someplace. Yeah. Yeah. There's not just like an awareness of like healthy and unhealthy, mm-hmm. but almost like this like obsession with oneself obsession with this life, like that very short sighted mm. self-centered. And, and I think there, there can be a, a inappropriate obsession. Like certainly I'm a fan of wisdom and Proverbs says a wise man looks ahead and sees danger coming. Yep. Um, and, and I, the impl- implication is takes action. And, you know, I, I think it actually says hides himself. So like, you know, you prepare for what's coming ahead. Yeah. Uh, similarly, you know, be like an ant that provides food in the harvest that they don't starve in the winter, so to speak. And But then also, oh, you know, go to work. Oh, there's a lion outside. Like, right. um, okay, yes, there are actually lions out there sometimes, right. but you can't use that as an excuse to actually not go and live life. Right. Um, but I, I think sometimes with our, our, we're wired to, to use some wisdom, but then our yeah. sin, we can almost magnify. And it's almost, it, it's fun to have excuses and, and mm. like have these things we're upset about. And I think in our current age, not only are we noting dangers mm-hmm. and then maybe in, in sin, like obsessing with them and it almost feeds something. And we're like, we're just super short-sighted and self-centered, but there's also like a religious fervor. Yeah. And I feel like in some ways we're designed to worship. Like that's a biblical fact. Romans mm-hmm. one, it doesn't say like some people worship God and some people don't worship. It's like, we all worship, but yes. just, what are you worshiping? Are you worshiping yep. God or you're worshiping created things mm-hmm. ultimately yourself, but like through who knows what four footed creatures type thing yeah. in, in yeah. Romans one using very uh, old school paganism, but like we're designed to worship. And in our current context, what, what I f- see in like the partisanship mm. is a religiosity where it's like this combination of like wisdom. I mean, mm-hmm. people are like, I'm mean, at some level, you know, I, you know, there's a nine 11 and I think the wise person thinks like, Hey, let's reconsider our customs process and make sure we have a good national defense. Um, like there's some wisdom in taking care when you realize, Hey, it seems like the climate's changing. Let's look forward. Right. Like let's consider the implications when you see something like COVID. Yeah. I, I don't think the response to COVID is ignore it. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I think the response was way out of proportion, um, yes. but the response is not ignore it. It's yeah. take use wisdom. Um, so like that's appropriate, but then in, in, one of the things that was ironic with COVID is there was this sense of like, we can't let one person die. And, yeah. and like the, the hanging on to, to, to life, it, it was ironic. Cause I'm like, yo, usually I'm on the side that's like fighting for life. Yeah. And then I'm like, Y'all aren't just fighting for life. You are like obsessed with this life. You guys, you need, you need Mm -hmm. like a freedom that sees beyond these 70 years. And and you see Mm -hmm. almost this like idolization of, of life. Like I'm thankful for life and I want to protect life, but it's not my idol. And and you see, see this idol and like this religiosity, this, Mm. this, this religious fervor and the combination gets really ugly, really fast. And, and, And I even like the backlash is often 
Um, that's what I definitely noticed, and, and you, you might have missed it, but it was right in the don't look up, look up part of the movie. There was yeah. a guy with, you remember the arrows on the pins? Yes, yes, One guy yeah. had two had arrows, both. Yes. and it seemed in the film that they were kind of like dismissing him because, again, the director had this notion that, like, right. no, the, the alarm is merited. Right. And actually, if you're yes, not freaking it's actually, out, yes. you're it's, on the wrong there's side. There's an objective truth here. And right. this, it's so obvious that it's this. Yeah. Uh, but but what I see today on a lot of these issues is there's not really an objective. The earth is going to end in 10 years on most yeah. of these. Uh, there are real things to consider, but the tendency is to be in the don't look up or the look up camp. Exactly. And there's it's all like or nothing. Religiosity, this yes. fervor, this short-sighted, self-centered. And I'm like, so, so here's a question. I don't like to be pessimistic. Hmm. I think I tend to be pessimistic sometimes. Yeah. I I have, like, in Jesus, I found what I call divine optimism. I'm like, look, the yes. world is messed okay. up and yep. broken, but, like, the yep. Lord is at work, and I'm, like, optimistic. But I will say in the past five years, probably, like, the whole, like, some so seven years. Yep. Wow, it's been a long time, since 2016 when, or was it late 2015 when Trump declared? I don't remember when he entered the mm-hmm. race, like, very mm-hmm. end of 2015, but it was, like, early 2016. Yeah. That whole era, I, I feel like, I am my optimism. So if you talk to Jamie 10 years ago, it's mm-hmm. like, yo, stay in your lane, like help the people around you think critically. Like yeah. it's, it's one conversation at a time, one relationship at a time. And now I'm like, yo, it just feels like, uh, and I'm not trying to throw anybody under the bus particularly, but I feel like a lot of people in my world ended up in with Trump derangement syndrome mm-hmm. or like Trump fandom fandom syndrome that there's not like actually a phrase for that. I'm just trying to describe yes. the latter. Yeah. And I'm like, I, I love the Shapiro, like good Trump, bad Trump take. Yeah. And just realizing like he's a, he's a bit of a buffoon in ways, but Hey, there were like actually a lot of good things that happened during his yep. administration. It's, it's, it's multifaceted and just trying to take the both arrows direction. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but it just feels like so many people took the, look up or the don't look up to yes. use the film framing so many to the degree that I'm like, I'm not even sure. Like it's point. Is there a point to conversations like this? Like, is this actually oh. helping anyone? Like, it's just, yeah. so I don't want to be all pessimistic, but I'm kind of pessimistic in the past seven years. I, Any I, thoughts? Uh, yeah. So I, I'm, I'm becoming more pessimistic Okay. or I am now actually believing what I thought. So it, growing up, like I knew, history repeats itself sure i knew that societies could be totally divided and then go to war and shoot each other right right we, we, we like we know intellectually this happens so you could look around the world and we're like yeah but that happens over there and i didn't realize how much i had subconsciously actually begun to believe that but we're not like that right until the past few years where i'm like oh no we're, we're all the same I, if you took the same exact population of people and you threw them back in time they would do the exact same things that the people back then did it's we're no different. Humanity has not evolved. Right. The, the the topics which we're engaging in have changed. The technology has changed, but we are all responding exactly the same. And it's going to be it's going we're going to repeat some of those patterns at some point. And that's where I'm slowly realizing. Uh, there was a, a book that uh, some friends of ours had read, and we actually listening on the way here, which is um, "Live Not by Lies." And uh, it was essentially how the uh, Christian uh, community in Russia uh, during the Soviet Union or just before the Soviet Union saw some writing on the wall that was like, we're no longer having conversations. (laughs) Like, 
words that are saying being used between two groups of people they don't make sense no it's we are ships passing in the night it's like there it just doesn't make any sense anymore we don't know what's going to happen this doesn't look good they basically said we can't fix this but we can endure through it and so they basically folded in on themselves into fellowship and into discipleship and into their community and giving back and then they basically were persecuted through, you know, Soviet U- Union and their, uh, you know, atheistic trying to actually remove religion and Christianity in a lot right. of ways. So, um, and uh, so basically, it was this really interesting story. But people in this book was re- written just recently, and people who come from Soviet Russia or grew up in Russia and then are here, they're like, this is this feels like, you know, what they were my parents were saying hmm. growing up. Like this is, this is, it feels, there's a lot of warning signs that feel similar where, um, I'm trying to think of the best example. Um, yeah, I can't think of, uh, off the top of my head. Um, but yeah, live, live not by lies. Um, now, is that book like a, a history or is it like a, just a like historical fiction? Like, no, it's, it? it's, it's, um, it's a, it's a mix. So it's a, it basically, I think it's mixed part biography. I haven't finished yet. Um, but also part like pulling from different people, like, uh, what was it the Gulag Archipelago yeah. um, by Solzhenitsky? Um, anyway, basically, he, that's a he compiled tons of stories during Soviet Russia. What happened? And it's this massive. I mean, even the abridged audiobook version is like twenty four hours or something long, wow, okay. uh, and it's three books and just goes through the atrocities that happened and and the bizarreness of what led up to it, um, where you know people knew what was happening, but no one actually said you know took a stand. Um, and uh and so the bananas just got sillier and and bigger and then because you didn't stand up for the little things the big like when the big hard things came no one stood up right and this is what baffled me with covid and kind of was like driving the nail home into my belief of like oh i i realized that we're all the same like society right so um i won't say who but there was a um a bridal party and this is mid covid maybe uh, at this point I don't remember exactly where it was, but, um, you know, the, they basically were at a bridal shower and somebody was over here and they wanted to take a picture, but in this restaurant that they're in, there was a private venue. If you stood up, you had to put your mask on. So, you know, people were standing up, they put the mask on, take a picture, sit down, take the mask off. And it's like, wait a minute, what, what, what are you doing? Like, are you thinking through what's happening? Mask on, stand up, sit down, mask off. It was just this like weird, weird, you know, scenario or another, another, another example where I'm just like, but they didn't believe in masks or didn't believe masks were doing what they thought, but they were complying because they didn't want to make make people feel uncomfortable. Sure. So I'm like, wait, are you living a lie? Like, is this, this, you're not, you don't think that this is the hill to die on. Maybe is what's the best way to example. Um, But I didn't wear a mask for most of COVID and not because I'm anti-mask. I just... I knew that what was happening was not actually what was happening. And so I thought it was actually more, the, the thing that's more dangerous than the virus is for people to go insane or be captive and become moralized by their application and what they think they need to respond. And that becomes actually a hook that power, like powerful people can pull people, whole societies along and get them to do something if they get terrified enough or alarmed enough. And, and it's, that's, that, was, that was the most alarming thing to me. Um, you know, I was at a... Uh, uh, getting my, my snow tires on. I'll, I'll tell a story. That I, so I went to get my snow tires on and went to the building and then, uh, you know, I'm wearing a handkerchief, right? 
Right. So, uh, and then, you know, guy, it was behind the, the desk and another guy behind me in line. And, uh, so I'm, I, he's like, you, you know, you got to get out of here with your handkerchief mask. I'm like, oh, what? Okay. Oh, they were um, like really serious. So they're really, yeah, so, your handkerchief mask was fine. Yeah. So, well, well so let me put it. So, uh, you know, cause the handkerchief mask isn't protecting you. Like you, if you talk, the, the, you know, goes up and it's like, it's a, it's a fake, it's a fake mask. Sure. Right. Uh, and so we all know that, um, but technically, if it covers your face, it technically qualifies. Yeah. And so I got kicked out, and I'm waiting in uh, in the rain, you know, outside. It's cold for them to put my snow tires on. We're the only three people in this whole building. It's like eight in the morning, super early. No one's even there yet. Um, and I'm going to retell this story. What, what actually happened was I showed up and I didn't have a mask on, but the person at the, the register had a handkerchief, and the guy behind me had a, some other kind of mask on. Now I got kicked out. That's actually the true story. But you see how, I think, presenting the, the argument ahead of time a bit differently shows the, the silliness of the situation is, well, we know that the guy with the handkerchief, like, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm not sure where I'm going right. with this other than... So I, I have a lot of thoughts on this. I'm trying to decide if I want to get into it. Because, <laughs> like, I, I think the... Mm, there was a, there was a, a book I read, like, early on in the pandemic... And I'm, I'm blanking on it now, but like the, the basic, the, the starter was it was a grocer in like, I don't know, like Ukraine or, or Latvia or Russia, some, some Soviet bloc, like yeah. state uh, republic. And they they had to have a sign in the, the window that said like workers of the world unite or some, some communist saying. Yeah. And it, they didn't believe it. But they were just, like, posting it because it's like, hey, right. if, if I don't post this, my grocery shop's going to get, like, trouble, et cetera. Right. And so there's kind of, like, a little bit of, like, a go-along to get along. Yeah. Um, which I would I would have a lot of respect for the grocer that refuses. Yeah. I also I, – I, I'm – I certainly don't admire going along to get along, but I kind of get it as the owner of the grocery store. I definitely get it. Like if you're the employee, P- particularly if like let's say it was less like of a of a, uh, it, it's not a Soviet saying like "workers of the world unite" a communist phrase. Maybe it's just like red is the best color. You're kind of like whatever. Yeah. This is stupid. Uh, obviously, people like red because it's you know communism. But like, uh, sure, I'll just post if. if Everybody's posting red as the best cover color. It's like posting a, a black square on Instagram. Yeah. Um, when I, when that first happened, I didn't even totally understand. I didn't understand the entire thing, so I ended up posting like a post, just kind of like, "Hey, I don't know yes. if I want to post. I'm open to posting a black square, depending on what it means, but I don't really know what it means." So I posted like a statement. Yeah. Um, I got a lot of flack for it. <laughs> um, the how dare you not pick a side? Well, the problem look up was, or look down. Jamie. I was talking, and as a white person, and the point of the black square was like for white people to shut up and give black people space, which I didn't understand. I thought the point was like some sort of solidarity statement. I'm like, "Hey, I'm yeah. happy posting solidarity." Is in the wake of George Floyd. Right. I I think what happened with floyd was clearly inappropriate i don't know if it was he end up convicted of like murder too i i can't remember if i agreed with like the particular outcome but certainly i thought there was a a clear uh i mean he he wronged floyd mm-hmm. he was uh unnecessarily rough entirely inconsiderate i mean he was, it was like several minutes yeah. i can't remember the exact length but probably close to 10 like yeah. there was there was a total uh 
callousness towards his life and well-being, mm-hmm. which is entirely inappropriate. I mean, at, at the point he's like down the ground for a minute, yeah. and there are a couple of cops there. I, I think it was horrible. Yes. Murder too, I'm not sure, but probably some sort of manslaughter, whatever. And I was like, I'm happy to stand in solidarity with people who are like victims of police crime, violence, yeah. etc. But I'm not just going to go along with the black square not knowing exactly what it means. I, yeah. I think that's probably, in, in my opinion, I did it. I'm not trying to toot my own horn. But it's like that's the admirable. But I also get people who are like, I don't really know what this means. But hey, solidarity, black square. I'm like, ah, don't love it. But I also know it's like, I don't think it's like sin. Yeah. I mean, depending on one's motive. Uh, and, and I can appreciate that if the grocer who owns the store is like, I'm going along with the black square. Not totally sure what it means. I'm like, eh, I don't love that. But I'm not going to be like, you're in sin, you need to repent. Yeah. Um, I just don't love it. I don't feel like it's like clear and helpful. But if you're the employee, so say you're like a, you know, you're working for like eight bucks an hour. <laughs> Crap. I'm showing how old I am. What's minimum <laughs> wage these days? 12? So say you're buying a 14. candy penny. <laughs> <laughs> you're making eight bucks an hour. But the point yeah. is you're, you're making like, you're making some money. Maybe yeah. you got like a, you're, you're a single parent. You're trying to take care of your kids. And your boss tells you like, hey, post the black square. Yeah. You're like, ah, this is stupid. Okay, I'll post the black square. Yeah. Like, like, I get that. And I feel like for a lot of people, now I don't know the particular person in this case, but I know yeah. a lot of people I interacted with, it's the minimum wage employee at the front of Walmart is yeah. like, hey, I was told by my super who was told by a super who the decision was probably made in Arkansas yeah. or whatever. Yeah. Wear your mask. And I'm like, you're just a pawn. I'm I, like, whatever. Sure. Like, I, I'm, I don't admire this, yeah. but I also... I don't know. I guess it was like for me, it was very like complicated because it wasn't clear sin, and it was yeah. like most of the people you interact with aren't even the person that I don't feel like is taking the most admirable yeah. position. Yeah. Uh, so it was complicated so, for me. You, you know, and I guess it depends too. Um, and I, I, just to be clear, I support people if they want to wear masks or two masks or right. no mask. Like I'm, I'm all for you having that choice to do that. That's just are you for listening. the restaurant owner though to ask people to wear a mask when they stand up? Um, I'm for them. Yes, if if the restaurant order, owners want to do that as their okay. own validity, I, I just mean, don't think people have I a choice. I don't admire it. But yeah, I don't admire I it. it. I can shop somewhere else. Yeah, if they wanted to do that, all mask, all yes. But it was a very everything was a top down approach. Statewide, everyone here's the mask mandates. Um, you need know, the gym in New Jersey. They you know got crazy legal fees and stuff because they were trying to stay open. Do you know how that this. worked out? By the way, I don't know the final conclusion. Okay. For a while, I knew he was still having like fighting it, um, wow. but I don't know if it ended up being like lifted. Um, but to me, the the it wasn't even necessarily the masks; it was the undertone, right? And it's not even the black square; it's the undertone, which is if you don't do this thing, I'm going to make an, a character assumption about you. And so, if you don't post a black square, you're a racist. If you don't wear a mask. You don't believe in science. Right. And so that's the part that I was really alarmed by. Really just this cultural thing. And not yeah. even just you don't believe in science. You're actually murdering people. <laughs> yeah. That's probably what was most alarming to me. I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I, because I know where this is going. Because Trump is here, you know, warp speeding a vaccine. And that vaccine will come out to the market at some point, And then people are going to push to get it. There's going to be shame. There's going to be all kinds of mechanisms where people want people to get it. Wherever you stand on the vaccine, I think that's your choice. Go get it if you want to get it. Don't want to get it, don't get it. Like, do your research, make an informed medical decision. That's my stance. But I knew the, the tendency in human nature to group an entire group of people. And that's what you're talking about with, like, the immigrants. Yeah. We have that na- natural tendency to say, oh, you belong to that group. 
I'm going to make an assumption about you and then treat you as if you be- like you are every single person in that group. Right. And so, um, you know, the thing people didn't want their kids around us. You know, they're like, well, I'm not going to let my kids go around you because you guys aren't getting this COVID vaccine. I'm like, what? Like, you know, and this is way early on when the data is all out. You know, there's no people are making all kinds of assumptions. Um, you know, people saying that they would never want to work with me in real life because I was a danger to people in the community, like really vicious things uh, that people saw me as a disease person. Right. I was the only person who could have COVID because of this thing. Right. And then you get into the workspace and companies were firing people for not getting it. Then everyone on a zoom call is talking about how they just got it and everyone's cheering and applauding them, but it's not safe enough for me to come out and say, Hey guys, yeah, I'm just not going to get it. And then they would, then as soon as somebody knows that about you, they make these, these grand, you know, assessments. Um, and I don't know. I guess it to me that was this underlying thread, which we've seen in history before. How how far are they going to pull this thread? Where is right. it going to lead us as society? That is that to me is the alarming thing. Um, and we see certain things heading in a certain direction to to be like alarmed. Yeah, I think we should be alarmed that we were requesting people to show proof that they weren't a diseased person to go into a restaurant, which is which is what the the vaccine was. The vaccine was a proxy for they were, currently they were infected. Hoping it was that? But yeah. they were hoping. Turns yes, out it wasn't. turns out it wasn't. <laughs> yeah, um, which is a whole other thing. Yes. But um, it, that's the so so we're using these things as proxies, right? And and so uh, even going back to like a global warming, you're either on or you're not. You know, for or against. You believe science or you don't, and I'm going to make these these huge like assumptions about you, and I'm not going to be curious about you at all. I'm not going to get into the details. I'm just going to judge your character and assume you're a stupid person for not believing what I believe. I think that that is just growing more and more pervasive in society. Right. And I'm like, where did people's curiosity go? Where did our ability to kind of take a step back and say, am I being unreasonable? Am I being alarmist? Uh, there's There are things to be alarmed about. I think right. that's one of them. I don't think we're going to go to war tomorrow. But if this continues down this road of a trajectory, I can see things getting a lot right. worse. So here's a question. You, you've mentioned history a couple of times over the course of the past hour. And so, like, in the film, the scientists are freaking out because there's a comet coming to Earth. And the idea is if you're not alarmed, if, and by alarmed, I mean, like, code red freak out. Uh there's a, a sense of like you are not acknowledging truth, reality, science. Yeah. Um, it seems though to me, looking at history, although there are plenty of terrible things, probably the worst of which is, I mean, aside from a few moments, you know, like you know the Black Plague, or probably pretty much that, and then uh, what wiped out a bunch of natives? Um, smallpox. Smallpox, yeah. So, like, aside from, like, a, a, a couple of, like, massive, you know, semi-global-type pandemics, I just don't know if there has been many, like, end-of-the-world things. And it's interesting to me that over the course of just a few decades, I can think of a few things that people freak out like it's the end of the world. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, looking back historically... We just don't have world-ending, like, crises that we need to be alarmed about like that. Like, for example, I, I guess what I'm trying to do is interact with a person who right now 
thinks like we're all going to die from climate change mm -hmm. and they're convinced that that's true yeah i'm like they're like how can you just have like a reasonable hmm, not maybe there's something to this like let's and, and so to, to them though they're like the the comet's coming like and it's hard mm. to prove like how do you know when it is that level of alarm and i'm wondering if some one sign though is even to point to history and be like these things just don't happen these like you know extinction level events are not a thing that we've interacted with uh is is there something to that like i, I don't know i'm trying to talk people away from the, the alarmist edge but obviously sometimes there are things to be alarmed about like how do you yeah. find that <laughs> right now i'm the guy with the arrow both ways <laughs> and the director mckay i think adam mckay is the director yeah he would be like well you're an idiot you're denying the truth right, believe right. science yeah and i'm like yeah but everybody would have said that with covid everybody would have said that with global warming everybody yep. would have said that like even with after tyranny level, or the patriot any... act right um yeah the patriot act allowed the federal government to like uh, without even like a, a search warrant, check your mm -hmm. library checkouts and do, do tons of searching that yeah. previously was not permitted and I think still was unconstitutional. Like, yeah. so they, they, these violations were permitted because the war on terror, like the world's yes. coming to an end type sense. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Like, how do we, how do we decide when there actually is that kind of crisis? Because when there is that crisis, you don't want to engage people. You don't want to listen. There is no room for like that. Yeah. reasonable dialogue and rightly so like kid just chugged a whole bottle of yeah. oxycodone and like uh pump their stomach like it there's yeah. no thinking to do right now uh, like how do you determine that because otherwise i feel like we all just have our pet thing we're like freaking out about that's true and i think um you know the further out you get uh in time the more difficult things are to p predict um, right. And so, you know, like, what's what's the dollar going to be worth in a thousand years? <laughs> like, we're so far away from being able to answer that. Right. It's like we have no uh, certainty. The, the level of certainty onto that is like the farther you go, the more absurd it is. So okay. I think pulling back to like what is what's likely to happen next or immediately after that or or in the near term. Um, you know, I think those are a little bit easier to answer. Not that we can't be looking long term and saying, hey, this is a trajectory. It's it's like going this way. If that doesn't change, I don't see any any alterations in this direction. And the, the closer we get to that, the more alarming it should be, whether it's, you know, the, the chart is going up and it's the temperature of the earth or the chart's going up and it's inflation or the chart is going up and it's infections. Like all of those things should be, right. I think, brought to the table and heard but then we should allow for the counter arguments to happen. And I think that the, the lack of counter arguments is what I'm really struggling with now. Uh, because if you want to count, have a counter argument for global warming, or not even a counter argument, a, a context argument, right? Which is maybe it's not as bad as you think it is. You are now, you don't think global warming is happening. You're either on board or not. Um, or if you want to question, okay, well, we're tracking COVID-19 symptoms and labeling them but it's not necessarily a confirmed SARS-CoV-2 infection are are those numbers actually accurate or, or are we you know are we doing something in the process that's actually making things worse for people who have this thing that's actually exacerbating the situation and not not helping and so it's not even the virus itself but it's how we respond to the virus like right. we should be able to ask those questions and have open dialogue but we don't what ends up happening is a decision is made by certain groups of people who have very you know, influential power, and then that power is pushed into what I see as social media, and then decisions are made. It's determined. And so it's, this is the absolute, once something becomes dogma, you know, cultural dogma, 
then it, you can't question it anymore. And I think that that is, um, then you, you lose the ability to have that conversation because you're not respected. You, they, no one's going to hear you if you bring a counter argument to something that is, just, everyone knows it. And I think this is one thing I've noticed in the past couple of years, and, and I've noticed in multiple places. Even just last week, I was checking out some like prophetic voice on YouTube. Um, and she, she had some stuff that was encouraging, but also some very concerning ideas she was presenting. But she presented it all with such confidence. Mm. And, and I realized, like, for whatever reason, being really extreme is the wrong term. I feel like extreme is now just like, it's like conspiracy theory. It it's is, just a pejorative. It is, yes. <laughs> but like being um, very uh, confident and like firm and not just one's like basic convictions, but in like every aspect of this, like I have it figured out. Yeah. For some reason is popular because even mm. like rewind to 2020, um, there, this is like 2020, we're in the thick of COVID. Uh, there's still like a lot of regulations the, the vaccine is not out. There's, there's talk of like hope for a vaccine, but mm-hmm. there's, I don't think there was even a timetable. I'm talking like summer 2020 was, was the vaccine starting to get rolled out in like December maybe. Yeah. It was right before Trump left. So it shipped right as yeah, he was. Right. So it was like, even, I think it was post-election. So it was like mm-hmm. late November, December, yeah. like nurses I knew were like started getting the vaccine. Mm-hmm. But, uh, so this was like. The vaccine was, there was chat, but like minimal. And I remember talking to somebody and I was like, they, they, they had some like major concerns. I mean, we're in New York state. I get it. I, yeah. all their concerns, I had the same concerns, although they like felt that maybe in a more like basically like, not just like, I, Hey, this is very concerning and troubling, but like, I can't have anything to do with this. Mm-hmm. And I was like, it's like, it's possible. Yeah. that we'll be required to have vaccines in a year. And, like, you, you might want to start thinking, because this is a, somebody who had a family. I was like, you might just want to start thinking in terms of somebody who lives up here in Potsdam. And I was like, you, you might want to start thinking in terms of, like, potential career, potential yeah. move, et cetera. Because uh, they were, like, freaking out about masks. And I was like, masks are only half your worry right now. Like, just FYI. I, I, yeah, now, yeah. what's interesting, though, is I was like, maybe. This maybe. is something to think about. Correct. But I had I knew people in yeah. my world at that point who were like, oh, New York's going to mandate everybody get the vaccine yeah. or you'll get, like, kicked out of the state or something. Like, that kind of, yeah. like. And I was like, I doubt that. But I suspect there will be a vaccine and that there will be a lot of people pressured to get it and maybe even a, a universal mandate. Mm-hmm. But I kind of doubted the universal mandate. But the people who are like, oh, there will never be a mandate. Oh, there will be a mandate. They had like they were like more. There was something reassuring about either whichever side you wanted to hear or didn't yeah. want to hear, yeah. by the way. Because like, some people were like, oh, there's going to be a mandate. Like, leave now. And other people were like, oh, there's going to be a mandate. New York's safe for you. Yeah. Uh, and I was just kind of like, I was in a very, like, I was uncertain about a lot of things. And it turns out there wasn't, like, a universal mandate in New York. I realized through, like, various corporations, a lot of people were very pressured to get vaccines. Yeah. Although in my world, a lot of people work for small businesses. Mm-hmm. I think it was, like, a, a few state people, people though, military. They There was, yep. you know, a lot of... But yeah, I would say like the majority of people I see regularly weren't mandated, but like it it certainly had affected my world, but there wasn't like a New York state mandate. Um, But do you think that had those that were alarmed by what was happening and seeing and talking about it and 
pushing the counter argument as hard as it was pushed, that that actually held that in contention because there were people who were saying that they wanted to do this. It should right. be mandated. You know, you have Peter Hotezes who's you know pushing in Congress, like, no, we need we, we need to get this as a mandate. Um, you've got people that were gung ho for that. So I don't want to pretend like there weren't people saying we want these like vaccine requirements for everyone. Um, those people exist. Oh yeah. So they still exist. So by the way. <laughs> I'm not. It's like yeah. Uh, you know, some. I was talking to Colleen the other day. I was like, uh, you know. I wonder if people called Paul Revere an alarmist, right? You know, he, because somebody's sitting there watching. How much did they know that the, the British were coming? You know, the Redcoats. Right. Uh, did they have a heads up? Were there people in the town that were like, no, they're not going to invade us. That's not going to happen. Oh, there goes Paul Revere again. The, you know, alarmist right. conspiracy theorist that thinks that we're going to get invaded. And we're yeah. going to fight the queen and the king. And like, you know, we're going to rebel. Okay. You know, yeah. <laughs> and then we have like, you know, war, right. war for um, years or whatever. Yeah. Right. And so, um, I don't know where I was going with that. Uh, th- I guess that th- there are people that are very powerful that want to get their way. And I'm not saying that they're evil or even they have bad intentions. We, we like You put any, any person in a position where they have power and influence, they're going to use that power and influence to bring around the world that they think is best. Whether right. you're a Christian, Muslim, atheist, whatever, you're going to try and shape the world based on your what you think is best. And so there are people in every single group that are trying to fight, I think, for control to some capacity. And so uh, the people that are alarmed are alarmed for a really good reason. There are people who want uh, a digital identity that they can track people all over the world, and they want to tie everything that you own to that. That's not a conspiracy theory. They talk about it openly and overtly. Right. Uh, so... Don't look at me for being an alarmist by saying, hey, that guy says this thing. <laughs> like, right. uh, but the question is, what are we going to do about it? Well, and he probably used alarmism to try to get people to do it. So exactly. To worry about crime or worry about, about disease people or disease. Or... And so, so you referenced even in New York State kind of the – and this was actually uh, one of the – why is alarmism a thing? And I think one of the reasons is some of it's human nature, some of it's some of it's the way God wired us, some of it's sin response, some of it is like misplaced religiosity and like mm-hmm. passion and worship. I think some of it though is is power wielding, like meaning given human nature and the one we t- the way we tend to be, it's a lot easier to to curry votes and like mm. you know stir stir up movements using fear mongering oh, and alarmism. Totally. Yeah. And so I suspect you're right. Like there was part of what was a balance to the COVID alarmists were the mandate alarmists. Yeah. And it's just, it's a bummer that the, the way to balance it is not with a balanced position, but it's with like certainty on something that never even came about. Mm-hmm. And yeah. And, and, and I, I, I think I wish this, I wish people could be like active and engaged without being alarmed. Yeah. But it seems that for most people, the way to get them engaged is to make them alarmed, Um, which is too bad, but it's kind of a thing. And it's the way we've tended to become more and more polarized because the more polarized this side is, the more polarized this side has to be in order to like counteract, which it's just a, you know, it's a a positive feedback cycle. And I I don't know, like systemically, how do we change things? So, So one thought is this. In terms of politics, and I realize alarmism is more than politics, but in yeah. terms of politics, are you familiar with ranked choice voting? 
I've heard it, but I don't okay. know the details. So the the current way most of us vote, it's called first post the pass. And first past the post, excuse me. <laughs> um, and you just vote for one person. Yeah. And what it incentivizes you to do is actually, as the voter, figure out basically who's most likely to win that you, you like. are okay-ish with. Yeah. And so basically, essentially, you end up voting for the lesser of two evils. That um, makes sense. A, yeah. a system might start with 10 different viable candidates, mm-hmm. but within a matter of just a few elections, you realize like, oh, people are tending towards this candidate who are broadly on this side right. of things or and this I candidate like this who are one broadly on this one. one and you just but I one really of want that guy. <laughs> All right. And that process itself actually very radically, you land with two options. Mm-hmm. You, go, you can go from like 10 to two in a matter of like a decade because yeah. people just figure this thing out. Yep. Um, what ranked choice voting does is it allows you when you vote to vote on 10 candidates and you just mm-hmm. say your order. Yes. So you can actually vote for the person you like the most and then the person you like the next most. Mm. And like your ninth vote, vote might be for like the really popular person that you're like the lesser of two evils. And then your 10th would be the person you totally don't want to win. Mm. What happens is you take everybody's first choice and you just vote every for everybody. And the person with the fewest votes, you then collapse their voters to their second choices and you redistribute. So it's yep. almost like having a series of runoff elections. Right, yeah. right now in Georgia, there's a runoff election for Senate. And the way you do it is in order to win Senate, a Senate seat in Georgia, you have to win a majority of the vote, not a plurality. And so in this case, it was like 48% to 47% to 3% or something yeah. like that. Yeah. And so the 3, 3% dude, he's out of it. And everybody else is out of it. Yep. There are probably several candidates. Um, the two will now rerun. And necessarily when you have two people run... Unless it's a dead tie, you have yep. a majority winner. Um, so somebody's going to get 50% plus one yep. or more. Yep. And yep. so there's a runoff. What ranked choice voting does is it allows a computer system to do an instant like 10 election runoff. Yeah. And it's wicked cool because this is what mm. happens is rather than just campaigning to be not the worst person, you know, rather than just campaigning to try to beat Hillary or to try to beat Trump. Yeah. You're actually trying to campaign to uh, win some of those people who like so-and-so and so-and-so maybe you're nobody's first choice you could literally be zero voters first choice yeah but if you can be 60 percent of voters second Second choice choice, then you win right because you're liked by the most more than yes i I see what you're saying yes and so it causes you Mm. rather than making enemies during the election process you try to make friends you actually even try to make friends with a lot of the voters that are going to vote for your opponent rather than you don't have to beat your opponent you just have to be liked enough right. to be high enough under exactly that for, for example let's let's do the 2016 election yeah but now you have you have like warren and sanders and uh who was the other person clinton mm-hmm. all are like in the final like november 3rd or whatever sixth election yeah um it can't be it has to be at least so it's the i think it's the first tuesday after the second Monday. I forget how, what election uh, yeah, it is. I'm not, I'm not, yeah. But uh, so you have like those three, plus you have who was on the other side. You have like Cruz and Rubio and mm-hmm. Trump. Let's just keep stick with six sure. candidates for yeah, simplicity. Yeah. Yeah. What if now, if, if you were Cruz, not only are you trying to gain voters yourself, yeah. but you're like, hey, how can I win some uh, Rubio voters? Yeah. Not to be their first choice. I don't need to like try to put down Rubio. Actually, I right. want them to vote for Rubio first, but then me second. Yeah. How do I do that mm. for? How do I do that for? Uh, uh, who's the dude from Vermont? 
Uh, Sanders. Sanders. How do I do that for Sanders voters? Okay, we're like so opposite, but maybe my candor, Mm -hmm. maybe my tone, maybe I can win some Sanders voters who are like, yo, I want Sanders to win, but actually... And by the way, I think Cruz would do terribly in that context because he is a... Well, do you you think part of what that is doing is um, it, it starts to break down the homogenous, you know, voting thing. If you want to be a Republican... You have to be pro-choice. You have to be pro, you know, immigration right. regulation or security, whatever. You know, you have to be pro-gun. You have to be yada, yada, yada. So you have to be the best on all of these right. categories. And that's what you're, you're actually just competing with other people that are the exact same, but you just, or not exactly. So it, it breaks that down some, but here's what it does that's like fundamentally different than our current system. You want to campaign on many of those without vilifying the other yeah be like hey mm. sanders voters are probably almost universally pro-choice mm-hmm. and i say almost because i actually know sanders voters is pro-life um but like generally speaking they're pro-choice yeah. but you're like hey i'm pro-life unashamedly so but i understand that this is like a complicated issue and maybe right. some people are like i'm not pro-life but i'll partner with you on steps to reduce the need for abortion and be like, Hey, I'm going to commit to like these programs where even if you're not pro-life pro-lifers will love them. And actually maybe some pro-choicers too, maybe some sort of like, you know, I'm not even saying I like this position because I'm, I'm a fan of limited federal government. I want to cut spending, but one could say, Hey, I'm pro-life Sanders voter. You're not, but do you know what you like Sanders voter? You like universal public pre-K. Mm-hmm. Like, let's help mothers with children that maybe they're not set up to care for well. Let's expand pre-K, universal pre-K, et cetera. Again, I'm not even saying I like that position, yeah. but a pro-lifer might adopt that. And and actually, honestly, a lot of Republicans who run these days are not exactly like limited government people. No. So, but the point is that rather than castigating Sanders as like evil, yeah. villainous, in this way that ex- extends the polarization, mm-hmm. it's kind of like a hey, I think Sanders misses some stuff, but he he's onto some things, and like it, yeah. it 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 incentivizes. Right now, people are like he's the enemy to try to to use fear to stir yeah. rise up their base because we have this current system. At the same, also that since it's so polar and divided, that even if Rubio can despise Sanders, but Rubio doesn't end up being the the Republican candidate. It's still the animosity towards the Democrats yeah. still is a vote for Trump. Right. And then but, but with our current structure, essentially, you, you try to win by making the other side evil and yeah. your side so scared they have to rise up to like, yes. oppose the other yeah. side. Yeah. And the ranked accurate. choice voting potentially. And I'm curious. I think yeah. Maine and Alaska have implemented some ranked choice. I'm curious hmm. to see what it does over the course. What's tricky is our current system, our current culture is so influenced by we're a small country in terms of happenings just because yep. of news. I don't think two states doing for like rank choice is going to like change our culture. Yeah. But if we somehow got rank choice in all state elections and all federal elections, I think it potentially within just a few cycles, people are rather than running and vilifying the enemy, they're running and saying, Hey, my opponent has some good ideas that maybe you vote for them first, but vote for me second. Yeah. Vote for this guy first. Vote for me second. Vote for him first. Vote for me second. Mm. And 
I'm just wondering if, if we currently have a system, and, and you even noted it in New York State, the yeah. way to oppose the people who were mandate happy is to freak out about a mandate that's going to happen and get people to rise up and right. like, we're going to, you know, <laughs> whatever. And you have to use that alarmism because that's the way our system's currently designed yeah. to like counterbalance. I, I don't know. I, I Like I want a structural change because I don't like the way things are right now. And I just don't see a, a, a good path forward with the current structure. Do you have other thoughts? Like how do we move towards a more optimistic, like what's our path forward? <laughs> I... I... I don't even think I have, I mean, not that politics isn't a big part of it. I think politics is an absolute factor in a lot of this. I don't, I think we ranked, went, you know, six, fix the polling issue. It wouldn't solve anything Um, because fundamentally, I think so much of what has happened to our culture is happening online. Um, And so you got to fix Twitter. You have to fix Twitter. (laughs) You have to fix Facebook. How do we fix Twitter? Uh, (laughs) What what, what should Elon do, bro? Well, it's interesting. So, uh, you know, Elon has taken over. Hey, actually, Um, I got to take a break. Um, Let's come back and talk Twitter. Okay, we're back. All right. So, uh, yeah, Twitter, social media. It is, I feel like a lot gets blamed on social media. Probably legitimately yeah but it's also i don't know it's a thing like i I think the cat's out of the bag and at some point we just have to like deal with it take responsibility as people try to improve the systems but i don't i'm often at a loss so yeah if you were elon musk what would you do with twitter for example well i think one of the things that he seems to be doing whether i trust him or not is another question but uh he has brought lots of people back who were banned just Uh, in the past like week right yes i mean Trump, who was the then sitting president of the United States, was banned from Twitter. Yep. Um, now, people cannot like what happened on January 6th. You can have an opinion as to whether he incited yeah, it or not. His response ridiculous. But yeah. uh, <laughs> I, I don't think he helped his own case. Um, but at the same time, we have uh, lots of people on Twitter who are like, you know, that are still allowed to talk, even if they're um, I'm trying to think of some examples. Speaking of alarmism, the response to the 2020 election was very alarmist. Like, yeah, that was Trump was just stirring alarmism, and, and that's I think the the case for him inciting January 6th. I don't think it legally holds water. Yeah, uh, legal incitement is very particular, and it is a crime. Yeah, um, but certainly what he did was he was stoking alarmism. Yes. I mean, people were I would agree with freaking that. out. Yes, yeah. yeah. Um, and then also, it's not unique to Trump, though. No, a lot not of people unique to Trump. Exactly. These days. Right, and that's the thing I hate. Is like I hate the well, uh, my poop doesn't smell. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, it does. <laughs> like we won't, we don't do that on our side. Uh, and uh, so um, let me let me think. Uh, so I, I think that that's a, a big one, and the reason for that is Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, which is owned by Meta and Facebook as well. They're all together, but um, and 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 even LinkedIn. A lot of our big tech social platforms were owned by, statistically speaking, uh, much m- maybe more left democratic uh, individuals. You know, if you look at San Francisco and you can just go look at the voting, um, you know, by uh, party, and right. you can see how astronomically sided it is in San Francisco or California. Well, you know, what's it, one of the interesting things with tech is, I feel like the tech world grew out of a a very at least when it came to the internet, a very libertarian like vision in the nineties, but it, it definitely existed in a super leftist 
community. Mm-hmm. And it seems like it's been flavored over the decades. And I think part of it is the uh, classical liberalism, which is a great benefit to society. I think conservative conservatism and liberalism are um, super important for each other because they hold each other in contention. Yes, we want to progress and see if we can make improvements and try different things. But on the other hand, some things are true and good and they need to be held in contention. Right. Uh, so they, they're good for each other. Um, and so out of, I think out of the spirit of classical liberalism, creating these platforms where anyone could talk with anyone was, I mean, that's crazy. It's cool. People are like it's pushing amazing. the bat. Yeah. It's like, it's really phenomenal. Um, but then I, I think a lot of it pivoted, especially once Trump was elected. Um, and I think it was probably happening, you know, a degree before that as well, but not, not as like, um, I think it, they just let go. They were Trump like, derangement syndrome was a thing. It was a thing. Yeah. You know, Zach Voorhees, thing. Yeah. uh, the Google whistleblower, you know, he talks about how, uh, Google post, uh, Trump's winning the election basically called everyone in the office and like, Hey, okay, people are in tears. Like, how do we stop this from happening again? We need to build our tools to create the outcome that we think is right right uh okay once you start doing that that's when we start getting into like a really really perilous situation i think yeah on any any group i mean just imagine hypothetically if facebook and uh twitter and all those were actually created in colorado springs colorado and they were run by you know christian conservative right uh you you know whoever you think big evangelist like right like could you imagine if the platforms were designed by that and doing the same things that the left is doing and they're like well we can we don't want somebody like this person to be elected again we have to silence these people we get to say what is true what isn't we get to banish these accounts because we don't like what they're saying and our terms are are vague and ambiguous like if the if the roles were reversed the people that i know that are okay with it now they would be flipping their minds they would be just outraged right and i'm like how do you not see the double standard here? Right, because that's that's essentially a Christian nationalistic impulse. But what people right. don't realize is right now we have this like almost like an anti-Christian nationalistic impulse. That's that's and it's not just that it simply exists because there are some very extreme Christian nationalists. Yeah, but the the opposite of the like borderline anti-Christian nationalist, and and I don't mean anti-Christian nationalist, but I mean anti-Christian nationalists yes they exist right but it's considered fine right and, it's and there's, a, there's a different power dynamic on who holds the controls over what is allowed to be dialogued about over social media um right. and i think that that hit a absurdity level in the past couple of years and it became really obvious i think um you know i know that there are certain topics um that people wanted to talk about and so if they talked about them, you would be banned or flagged, shadow banned. Right. Your account would be removed entirely. There were also a about bunch something. of erroneous and even admittedly, Twitter would admit like mistakes after the mm-hmm. fact. Somebody mm-hmm. get banned and they'd be like, oh, that was a mistake. They'd re reinstated. The thing is this, the mistakes, I don't know if it's universal, but they definitely leaned heavily in a certain direction. Right. It was, it was free thinking, conservatarian, conservative, libertarian type th- types mm-hmm. that were being accidentally it, it, consistently you, you accidental. didn't have people okay. <laughs> like you know john Kerry being accidentally banned uh exactly yeah. right i mean or or even you know somebody coming out and saying well yeah unvaccinated people um if they get hard they they deserve to die 
They, you know, this. You know, crazy. I mean, people said crazy right. things on the left. Totally fine. Right. Um, you know, I think, was it Kathy Griffin, uh, the comedian who held up the Trump head? Oh, yes. I think she was banned. Um, Possibly. But I think it took a while. Right. She um, may have actually violated the TOS. Yeah. Because it, it, yeah, it could have been, you right. know. Uh, so. But the point is. Saying no one should get vaccinated and everyone should get vaccinated. Neither of those violate the TOS. Correct. But once in a while, people saying no one should would get banned. And people saying everyone should never got banned. Like there was a mistake happening in a direction. So you could could be wrong and it was called, uh, we're just, you know, science is is evolving or new new evidence. That's totally okay. But if you're wrong on saying that, you know, this could be an adverse effect or they're just, the data isn't even there yet to, you know, prove it. You, it, it gets slapped with a label. Anything criticizing this, um, and where were the labels on on Biden when he was running? Right. You know, uh, yeah. versus Trump. You saw it with the news was just as bad. Um, so, so, do you think Elon with Twitter will be able to make like a dent in this? Because it, it's obviously when I mean, Twitter's significant in the social media landscape, but it's also like the a very small minority of social media interactions. I mean. The, I don't remember the active user base compared to like various meta applications and just like, you know, uh, mainstream media generally, which is all bought into this very obviously biased one direction tendency to shape the conversation. Will Twitter really be able to make a dent? I, I think so in the sense, I mean, I think Twitter hopefully will will provide a an example for a course correction that others should apply and then could learn from and then go back to. Yeah. Um, you know, I remember back in the day when it felt like things trended much more organically, where if it was important and you shared it, other people would share it and it would just bubble to the top because everyone thought that it was worth sharing. But then these platforms started saying, well, if you want to get distributed, you have to pay us for that, which I get, they're a company. And so they started leveraging the pay to play and visibility. And so that that allowed people to have a lot more control over what was talked about. And then it, uh, so it just got, it got super weird. Um, right. I'm trying to think, it, I hope, my hope is that with, if Twitter can change, then what that would allow is for organic information to bubble up into the minds uh, and into the, the global conversations. Um, and for instance, you, you, we go back in time, we look at the COVID vaccine. Um, it, they they were producing it, shipping it, and passing legislation on it all at the same time in such a narrow window of time that they were basically saying, well, the vaccine is going to do this thing. Stops infection, 100% safe. You know, it's safe, it's effective. Yeah, it might be one or two random people that have some side effects. We don't even know what they are yet, but we, right. know, we, don't, we know that's going to be rare. Okay. Um, it felt like you're playing poker with somebody, and they have two cards, and they're like, I have a full house. And you're like... I know you don't have a full house because you only have two cards. <laughs> so every time you tell me you have a full house, it actually is telling me that you're lying. Right. I trust you less. I trust you less. Now, <laughs> Wait, if you maybe out, even have a pair of aces, you, but I just don't exactly. even believe anything. Anymore. Then you can have three and you're like, okay, you're closer to a full house. But until you get, you know, that fifth card, you can't claim you have a full house. Right. And the fact that you're saying you are, I know you're lying. That's a great illustration. Uh, <laughs> and, and that, that to me, I was like, okay, why I'm not in bananas land. Like the evidence is is not here. And on top of that, um, you know, we saw people talking about like uh, alterations in their period, right? 
people were, were, were sharing that. There were whole groups of people that were saying, this is like affecting my menstrual cycle. Uh, and they're like, nope, doesn't do that. I'm like, you, you, you can't say it doesn't do that. Right. So the fact that you're coming out right away saying, nope, doesn't do that, without actually hearing the people out, again, right. goes back to that, you're, you're pretending you have more cards than you do. Um, and it was multiple topics. Now, some of them weren't true. And, that, uh, like, and some of them were still trying to figure out. Uh, but the fact that those are not allowed to permeate up. There's a massive lack of intellectual humility and honesty. Yes. Yeah. Um, or, or criticizing on efficacy or transmission or um, that they, they unblinded the placebo trial after just a couple months. And that's going to not allow you to have long-term clinical data on a placebo control group anymore. Um, you know, they were like, well, you need to get shot in the arm and it all stays locally. Oh, they were wrong about that. Uh, why were they wrong about that? Because they didn't study it. But if, if you had allowed people who were criticizing, the, the, they criticize because they care. But was, what was the last thing you noted? Oh, like, so uh, when you get injected with the, you know, the MR, mRNA, they said that it stayed local. So it would stay oh. in your arm, and then your body would just like get which rid of it, which doesn't make sense. Which doesn't make any sense. <laughs> yeah, and so <laughs> I, I don't know if I heard that one. But yes, that's silly. <laughs> and so um, of course it travels throughout your body. Of course it does. <laughs> like, oh, how are you going to get like anyway? Uh, but um, what happened was there was this like we we can control who's allowed to come to the table and be part of this global conversation, and if we can control who can come to the the, the table, we can control the dialogue. And so they, they shipped all these ideas and had doctors who were critical just saying, oh, wait a minute, hang on, like Trump, <laughs> this is your vaccine, which I think is hilarious um, because people uh, love it now uh, that are more on the left. And they're like, yes, right. science. You know, I'm like, yeah, that's a Trump vaccine, just to be clear. He really pushed yeah. to get that thing <laughs> that's through. True. Uh, but, um, you know, they... Uh, Oh, I lost my I lost myself on the so, Trump. So, I got distracted. So as you re recover, I had a thought regarding Trump, and like I think I've said this on some other episode already, but uh, leaning as I do, I just want minimal government interference in things. I agree. A, yeah. I super am opposed to any of these, even if they're not universal mandates, like the government interfering, like schooling, corporate stuff, etc. Yeah, super opposed to that. But I'm actually. I would say one of the, the things I would credit Trump with is removing red tape on vaccine development. Um, the the I'm not anti something like an FDA, but I do mm -hmm. think the FDA like tries to play God. Yeah. Um, now I think like the, their their over promises. Yes. Were epic failure. In, in fact, like the whole public health system from from the FDA to what was Fauci's office? CDC, uh, NIH. Yeah, he NIAID. works for something with the NIH about like uh, basically like just rapidly transmissible diseases. I forget mm -hmm. his his exact department. But like the whole the, the the health public health apparatus, the public health here in New York State, like they get like F's all around, um, and not for not caring or not trying, right? Like but, most people, but bad that, communication, like, lying. Yeah. I mean, even the whole debacle with the masks. Like, don't get a mask and then get a mask. I'm like. Uh, Two masks, <laughs> right? And then the double mask thing, and just uh, yeah. Then 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 the recommendations regarding like schooling. I mean, that actually that I think is changing elections. Like yeah. the way young Youngkin is that his name in Virginia? Yeah. I mean, he totally. I, I I shouldn't say totally. I think largely he won because of the ridiculous schooling policies, and it, it came from listening to public health and following guidance. Yep. Like they just get F's all around. But I'm actually a fan of Trump removing red tape on the vaccine development process and then people being able to 
of their own accord if they want to get the vaccine. But like vaccines don't typically take that long to develop. They're just like a really long. And I, I, I get it on the one hand, but I'm like, let people, I think I, I'm also open to most drugs being legalized. Yeah. <laughs> and I don't recommend you take no, them. And I'm not even sure. I, I would take, I, I think like, I, yeah. I agree. And, and same, same with yeah. like legalizing and allowing people to do a lot more drugs. Um, and even with vaccines, like, if, if you want to get a vaccine, I support your right to be able to do it. Yeah. What, one of the pillars of the medical community is informed consent. And if you have your thumb on the scale on the informed side, then do you really have informed consent? Uh, right. It, it's in, like a massive fraud. It's a massive fraud, right? Yeah. And so, I mean, it's so, and this is where our government is, oh, so it's so insidious. And this is what really bothers me, is information is coming out now that the CDC paid for... Um, uh, pro-vaccine content in TV shows, in movies. No they, way. Yes, they actively were trying to get people on podcasts. They even mentioned in their documentation trying to get somebody on the Joe Rogan podcast to talk to people about being, you know, getting getting vaccinated. So we have a really, really tricky situation. Uh, I think vaccines are unique compared to a lot of other pharmaceuticals um, because of the liability waiver, and and that's specific. Yeah, uh, and, so some, and that's been around for a little bit. Yeah, 1986 yeah. is what I think when Reagan signed it here in the United States. Um, but the government is, is so intertwined with the vaccines, they are almost becoming one. Uh, right. And so I can't, I don't have a lot of trust that the CDC and the FDA are acting impartially. I think that they are in large part extensions of. And I think there's money involved. I mean, so, so this was 15 years ago, Texas, Governor Perry at the time. And I found out about this because I think he was running... Was he in the the field maybe in 2012? He was running. Mitt Romney won the nomination mm-hmm. and lost mm-hmm. to Obama. But whenever it was, uh, Rick Perry was running. He was governor in Texas. And I realized as I was looking into various candidates, he had signed a bill in Texas that uh, required all like public girls girls at public school to get HPV vaccine. Um, which I don't know that much about HPV vaccine. Maybe it's it's trivial. But the idea that it's getting mandated and mm-hmm. that it's solving something related to an STI, right. I'm like, and you're mandating that girls at like 12, like, you know, mid puberty are getting mm-hmm. this thing. I'm, so I'm not anti-vax, but I, I think we over-vax and mm-hmm. prematurely vax yeah. often. Like just our, our typical schedule is so many, so young. I'm like probably fewer and older <laughs> for a lot of these. <laughs> and, we, and the reality is we don't know. Right. That's that's my my complaint is that's a totally reasonable hypo- hypothesis. We have nothing to compare it to. Right. They don't have a really good breakdown of testing that hypothesis, which also means what their current plan is is a hypothesis. Right. And that bothers me. Right. And then when the government's so, forcing it down, and it's this Republican governor in Texas yes. is signing this thing, and in New York State just a few years ago, maybe four years ago, it was pre-COVID, but not by much, like a couple years. Uh, they removed the religious exemption for public schools, and it wasn't just public schools; all private schools also. Yeah. So people who are going to like Catholic parochial schools are now being required to get like the New York State vaccine schedule yep. for their kids. And so I, I know people who are looking into homeschooling just because of vaccine stuff, like four years ago, so yep. pre-COVID. And and again, I, I'm not like anti-vaccine. I think vaccines have saved tons of lives. I mean, just like the smallpox vaccine is mm-hmm. like a miracle. It's it's a pretty awesome story. And interestingly, I think the smallpox vaccine killed more people than COVID. 
COVID itself, not the vaccine. <laughs> like smallpox right. vaccine, I think killed like one percent of recipients, mm. but smallpox killed like thirty percent. Right. So like the vaccine was or was a better ratio. Better. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, it's just it's really interesting. Like I love science. I'm a technologist. Yeah. I, even the mRNA vaccine is like fascinating to me and super cool. I'm like this could be amazing, but it could also be horrible. But it's also <laughs> so new. Right. Like, and we're, we're like, oh, it doesn't you know it doesn't get into the your DNA. Well, maybe it does. Maybe it doesn't. Right. Uh, do knows? we even know? Right. Um, they're saying it doesn't, but they said a lot of things. Like yeah. um, maybe I just want to give it time. What exactly. if I just want to wait five years, see how mRNA things play out? And and the lack That's... of humility there though is, and I love the idea with somebody's got two cars and they insist they have a full house because that is really what was happening. Yes, and and at the end of the movie Zoolander, have you seen that film? Yes, it's, it's like a yeah. stupid comedy, but yeah. it's hilarious, but probably not super family friendly. FYI, but uh, <laughs> the at the end of it, there is a guy who. Uh, Oh, my computer like went asleep, but we're still recording. Sweet. Uh, there is a guy towards the end who says, I feel like I'm living in crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Crazy um, land, crazy I see town. the gift pop up. Yeah. Yeah. And it's actually, uh, it's it's that, it's a famous comedian, Will Ferrell. Will Ferrell. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's, it's his character. And it's, because it is, like the yes. whole world is ridiculous and he's participating and benefiting. But then when he like basically stops benefiting, he's like, we all know that this is just like a massive charade, right? It's like, so crazy. It's so and that's insane. What I'm, like, I'm not even saying I'm right on everything. I absolutely know I'm but, not. But the lack of intellectual humility, you're like, you are claiming you have a full house and you only have two cards. Like, this is stupid. It <laughs> is. Am I, am I taking crazy pills here? Maybe like, you even that... will have a full house, but like, you don't know. You don't know that. Yes. And then the fact that I'm called anti-science or anti-poker... For just saying that I can, I know you don't have that in your hand d- right. doesn't make me crazy. And, and the fact that you think that is like, we have a problem. Yes. Uh, and, uh, and so, um, oh, it was... But like, where do we move forward? Okay, so you mentioned like, hey, you're hoping Elon with Twitter can improve yeah. some things. I, I, it just feels like we have such like a reactionary, alarmist, yeah. everything. I, I forgot about the January 6th thing. But like, speaking of alarmism, which is kind of where we started a conversation... Yeah, the election denial stuff was like super large. I know people who were spending like 10 hours a day. Yeah. Watch. I'm like, so for example, the election in Georgia, was there some like disenfranchisement and fraud? I don't know. But I realized pretty quickly, I actually know a guy who's like carries some clout in the Republican Party in Georgia, mm-hmm. loves Jesus. Like, uh, I don't know him personally. I am friends with his dad. Yeah. Uh, his dad used to be part of the church up here. And. I'm like, people like him, I just have to trust that there are people in Georgia who have their heads on straight and are like, actually, they're there and they can be involved. Like, me sitting here watching some YouTube videos, I cannot solve Georgia election. Like, not only do I realize because of my own humility, Mm -hmm. I'm not going to know, be able to, I'm not in a position to know the truth as well as somebody who's down there and actually, like, you know, has power in the state of Georgia. But I can't do anything about it. Even if there is some fraud, like it's Georgia needs to like regulate their own yeah. elections. But like I know people in New York State who are like literally like losing sleep over the Georgia election process. Well, and I, I'm like, I guess the question is alarmism. like, <laughs> but what if it, ha- it what if it, it, there is that it, it is well, happening over there? And well, then even if it is, if it like, happens here, <laughs> but yeah. But what if it happens here? And I think well, that, I am like, involved in New York State, so actually, oh, good, I've, so I've worked happen. for the New York State. Well, <laughs> oh, it might happen. What I'm saying is, if, if there's actually a claim about something in New York, yes, I feel like I'm in a position where I can investigate. Mm-hmm, I can actually mm-hmm. help solve problems. Um, I'm not in a yeah. position of great power, but I've worked as a poll site coordinator. I'm pretty familiar with the process. Uh, I would say on the slightly 
disturbing end. Um, it's definitely possible for an errant vote here and there to be cast in New York. Yeah. To the extent that I'm aware, it would be insanely hard yeah. to like change a vote by thousands or tens yeah. of thousands. It, it's, yeah. it would be very hard. It's actually a pretty good process. An errant vote, though, can definitely happen. Um, yeah. I mean, just mistakes happen. I, yeah. I've observed a mistake. I've observed someone who was it was questionable whether they were registered to vote. So they're mm-hmm. voting by affidavit. So when yep. you go to vote in New York, if you show yeah. up and you're not registered, and you say that really you're, like, no, I was, it, you it can got vote, lost, but then it goes mixed. into a separate thing yes. and it gets yep. reviewed later. But I, I saw somebody who was given an, a real ballot, like not a real, they're both real. They were given a vote today ballot yes. and then they went and cast their vote. And I was like, wait a second. This, right. I was like, so there's, there was this is the check vote. for this. This is supposed to be. Yeah. It yep. was totally just a mistake. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> epic fail. Yeah. Um, that said, it's, almost never that things matter by a few votes yeah yeah. i I, in new york i'm not even familiar with instances where like mandatory recounts are triggered often i do know one case in the town of herman it's just south of canton like i mean hundreds of people vote in this town it's not like even thousands yeah so hundreds of people voted town justice it was a dead tie yeah dead tie so in something like that a mistaken vote could turn something um, but on the whole, well, the, the idea the, of fraud in New York just doesn't make sense. And I guess the thing that, that bothers me, especially right now, is that the election integrity um, is uh, radical Republicans, right? Is what the, the, the like, you're a crazy Republican if you believe if in you election want a fair fraud. Election. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, but where were you? How many years ago when Hillary lost to Trump and it was Russia, Russia, Russia? Right. You, you could go on HBO and watch Kill Chain, which is an awesome documentary, which when trump lost lots of republicans shared this documentary about how hillary lost as proof that there's election fraud right so it, it it's like the one group wants to say you're an alarmist right. i mean we started sounding the alarm but you ran with it right and that's your fault like well, what the entire trump derangement syndrome is alarmism and and yeah russia collusion was headline news for over a year yes i think so trump won fall of 2016 17 was it summer 18 that he first was impeached for stuff corruption in ukraine um and that was all related to the to the russian collusion stuff uh yeah. fallout from that by the way sometimes people forget that it was corruption in ukraine in 2018 like <laughs> uh i think russia in the current war in ukraine russia is the villain but Ukraine is not a saint. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and like people like celebrate Zelensky like a hero. And I think he's done some very admirable things this year. But I realize I'm slightly bringing up an entirely new topic. <laughs> but like it just makes me cringe when people yeah. like the, the response. Again, it's like so polar. You have There's to put like, the emotion Russia's in your the thing. Bad guy, and like... So Zelensky is like a hero. And I'm like, ah, do you realize Ukraine is possibly like the most corrupt well, like not country just, that we have diplomatic relations not with. just diplomatic it's like we're fun we send money over there and then with yes. the whole ftx uh crypto discovery that money was being laundered back from ukraine into ftx and then to democratic donors so really? oh i didn't yes. know that so this that is, is like this crazy money laundering and i'm not i'm not i believe the republicans are doing it too i'm just i'm not saying that like this is a democrat only issue i'm right. just saying that like Things are so messy, and we have to be able to take a step back and Dude, talk. Where did you hear the FTX thing? I didn't hear that. I mean, I know FTX just like went bankrupt. Yeah, or um, like I'll have to find the source. Maybe I can share it with you. Wow. Um, it's it's all in that news. Like but it also FTX wouldn't shock me, crypto Ukraine and Ukraine is like 
classic corruption. And when we're just shoving money into that country so fast. Right, it's hard to uh, imagine billions don't equal... E- right, even if a fraction of it comes, you know, like, it's not accounted for. Like, it's... But then some people are like, well, it's yeah. war. This happens. You know, uh, things can't be... There you know, is all some the truth to that. And dotted and... Uh, I'm cautious about sending funds, but for totally, other reasons. Yeah. But, like, the... Again, like... The Putin's the bad guy. Zelensky is like a saint. I'm yes. like, he's no saint. Right. Uh, you know, I, so I guess you, you earlier you said, like, what's the solution? What's part yeah. of the solution? I, I, yeah, I mentioned in the past Adam Grant and his analogy, yeah. which, or not analogy, his, his description. I don't know if he even it was from him or just the first person I heard talk about it, which is um, there are two types of conflict that you can have. There's task conflict and relationship conflict. Uh, task conflict is when you have a problem. And the Wright brothers is the example that he gives. Wright brothers uh, wanted to build a plane. They wanted to fly. They wanted to solve this problem, this task. And they would be in a room yelling at each other because they were passionate. No, seven propellers. No, two. No, this. No, this material. No, hollow. Four wings, two wings. Like, they would argue until, like, they were red in the face. Storm out of the room. Come back. Do it again. And, and so this task conflict is um, you're focused on the task. You're passionate about the facts that you're seeing, and you're presenting them comp- passionately. And and at the end of the day, you you assume the other person's doing the exact same thing. You're not attacking their character. You're attacking the task. But a relationship conflict happens when you're having a conversation. We've all done it, first of all, and we all do it. And we, we probably can think of instances where uh, somebody says something, and you go, well, you would think that because you're a insert derogatory right. remark. Some ad hominem. Yeah. yeah. Boom. And you're like, uh, I'm not going to talk about the task anymore. I'm going to talk about your character. And you you don't believe science. You want people to die. You what, Whatever the label is that gets you away from actually talking about the data or the facts or the evidence is, is shifting you into this uh, relationship conflict. Or relationship, yeah, relationship conflict. Um, and I think... I've struggled with that, and I'm so glad I found these terms because I've been bumping into this in relationships, having conversation about task, and suddenly it goes south. You're like, well, you just blank. I'm like, where did, what happened? Or yeah. you're trying to have a conversation with somebody, and you're like, hey, I just, here's this article, and this is what I'm seeing. And then suddenly it's like they just jump on your character, and you're the worst person. I'm like, what is happening? I'm just trying to point to some stuff and have a conversation about this thing that I'm seeing. Why are you making this about my person? And uh, I think we've... Uh, having that framework has helped me. I'm hoping that as Adam Grant talks about this stuff and this permeates, um, you know, culture, there's a book called uh, Think Again, which I think is is his book. Um, but it just revealed how much, and I do it too, I struggle to not fall into an ad hominem, ad hominem attack on the person's character um, and revert back to like, well, okay, I think that they generally are trying to do the best thing. They're seeing different facts and, and evidence. Um, let me try to hear that out without slandering their character. And uh, so I think that that's a mechanism, that's a culture we need to rediscover. Right. Um, and uh, now, now, maybe this is the classic, like, I've discovered a new hammer, so now everything's a nail. Yeah. But this reminds me again of at least the, the hope for something like ranked choice voting hmm. is that um, where the, the classic, like, you just end up with two options and somehow you have to be the lesser of two evils and you... You're stirring up your base using fear, castigating the other side as a basket of deplorables or libtards or whatever, whatever yes. kind of yeah. And like the ranked choice, you end up with a bunch of candidates in the race. You don't just have two options, and you're actually trying to address ideas. And even when you disagree yes. with somebody, recognize like valid impulses and maybe compromises that can work because you're trying to become the second choice 
for everybody. Right. Um, and it, it incentivizes not just the candidates, but I, I do I, – I, I hope – and again, maybe it's like, well, I don't actually work it at all. But then it changes media because all of a sudden media realizes like, hey, if we're all just like on the bash wagon, mm. like – because everybody has like a, a, a bias, but if yeah. our bias is actually like making most people slightly frustrated with us and the candidates we're supporting, now we have to like acknowledge, hey, there's something to this idea, or even if like this isn't doesn't seem like the best option, like what's the underlying motive that we can work with? And like, I don't know, I, I feel like it, it moves. Right now, we have a context that that incentivizes politicians and then media and like mm -hmm. arts and just even corporate entities to try to like fall into some sort of polarized us, them evil, righteous yeah. context. And if we can somehow incentivize everybody to be in more of like a, Hey, let's try to realize that, uh, no one's like, uh, perfectly righteous or something like that. But most people, like, there's something you can try to connect with and work with. Like, yeah. even us being evil, we want to give good gifts to our children most of the time. Yeah. You know, some parents yeah. obviously abuse their kids. But, like, on the whole, even a parent that, like, yells at their kid, they, they, they still, on the whole, love their kid and want their kid to do well. Yeah. Jesus is basically recognizing in that context, like, even us in our broken, sinful state, hey, because of God's good grace... We still want to, like, provide for our families and our communities and see the world move forward in, like, prosperity. And, like, let's try to connect to that with the people around us. And I feel like it's a little bit of a – right now we have a system that incentivizes relational conflict. And division, yeah. And maybe we can somehow – because, again, like, I've, I've, I've started to go really pessimistic with our current structure. Yeah. I don't see how we move towards task conflict. Like, maybe as yeah. individuals, a few of us can. But, like, it seems like we have a system that incentivizes othering and, like, using fear-mongering and alarmism. But maybe maybe if we get some system changes, we'll be able to move more towards task conflict. Now, now one of the interesting things about the Wright brothers yelling at each other. And, yeah, uh, you, you recommended a podcast episode I listened to and Grant mm -hmm. referenced that example. Maybe it's just my culture. Like, I will say yelling for me like i've only been yelled at as an adult a few times and it definitely yeah. like mm -hmm. kind of gets your goat goat or goat whatever <laughs> i don't know what it is it's one of those classical phrases i don't even right. know how to say it <laughs> um the uh it's like nip it in the butt yeah that's right <laughs> versus bud yeah the butt, yes. yeah. Uh, so whatever that is it, it gets yeah. you it gets a rise out of me now, yeah. now i do think generally speaking yeah. when i have been yelled at fortunately i'm relatively mature and i'm able to kind of step back and be like okay this person's really upset like let's yeah. try to figure this out but man the natural rise in me my instinct is fight yeah and like when somebody yells i'm like when you're fighting you're not just like interacting with an idea you're like yes you and it, it, yes. it i feel like the yelling maybe the Wright brothers were able to yell all day and it's just about the task and not at all each other. But, man, it so it's, quickly goes to, well, you're just an idiot, like a yes. pompous, whatever. Like, I feel it, like there's curse it, words involved in most of these. So it's hard to, like, <laughs> I, don't, I don't mean that we should all just be running around shouting at each other. Right. Whatever the, the, like the mode of argument with which you're comfortable is, is what you should, you should be able to have arguments. And yes. I don't think we're allowed to have that anymore. In some, mm. in some weird way, arguing has turned into this negative thing. Don't argue. What are you talking about? 
If you don't have an argument with somebody in your life, you probably are, that's an unhealthy relationship. Right. You're either not passionate and don't believe anything, or you're, you're both found this coping mechanism to avoid talking about reality. I just, it doesn't, um, it doesn't exist. And your arguing could be totally chill and calm and NPR right, discussion. or, like, right. or shouting Italian style. I don't, I don't know. Like I'm that just, is cultural maybe, but the, the, the underlying thread is that you're not there to attack the other person's character and win through character assassination. You're approaching it with, I, I genuinely want to solve this problem. And I genuinely believe you want to solve this problem or at least improve it. What can we do together? Let's throw our, our what we're seeing experiences onto the table and right. let's try to understand each other's because I guarantee what you bring to the table has value, but so does my perspective. And if we don't come to the table with both of that mutual you know, perspective, one side doesn't want to be heard right? or they don't want to hear the other side. And, and I think, not... you know, at a societal level, we need some sort of like structural change, but in terms of interpersonal connections, which obviously we're all engaged in, I, I think there's... There's something to there. There's the a soft answer turns away wrath principle, and again, I don't necessarily mean the volume in one's argument, yeah. but the person who's coming at you with ad hominem and like relational conflict. I think that the natural instinct is to respond with like, yeah. But using some sort of like, hey, like this is getting like personal and heated. Like we have a disagreement here, but let's focus on like working through this issue and yeah. not. Uh, attacking each other and but like what we need is yeah I, I think we the lesson we can learn is yeah use the soft answer use the refocus on the task and maybe even explicitly yeah. like because I, I wonder if sometimes people don't even realize uh, Barry Weiss do you know her Barry Weiss is a she was a New York Times columnist I'm not sure they do she quit the Times I think after they refused to run the uh, a bunch of people the New York Times maybe they actually did run it but they Tom Cotton he's a senator Mm -hmm. US senator it was post George Floyd he was writing about possibly bringing a National Guard to like help bring some peace to some BLM riots and he published an op-ed I think the Times published it they were at least talking about publishing it I can't remember what they did but in the context of that Tons of people who work for the Times were like, if we publish this, we're like endangering people's lives, et cetera. And, and Weiss, Barry Weiss was like, yo, this is the opinion column with the New York Times. Like we've had, I think Vladimir Putin published in the New York Times. We've had like all sorts of people published in the New York Times. The, the point is not to publish what we agree with. It's to get interesting Correct. people who actually have like power and ideas and like what do you think we want to know what tom cotton one of the most powerful senators in the united states thinks and if you don't hear a counter argument then your intellectual strength is going to atrophy oh you end up totally impotent um but but weiss she she quit started doing her own Substack mm -hmm. thing and just last week i listened to a podcast where she was interviewing somebody about like response to mental health. I think like mm. his brother was uh, super bipolar or something, but he reacted strongly to a previous uh, conversation she'd had about mental health. And I think he sent her an email that was pretty heated and kind mm. of aggressive, but she responded by saying like, Hey, you have some interesting ideas. I'd love to have you on to like talk through this. Yeah. And it ended up being a really interesting conversation. And he, yeah, I don't know if he apologized at the beginning, but he basically said, like, hey, thanks for having me on. My email definitely had some spicy language. <laughs> and I think it was an apology I, of sorts. But basically, she responded with a soft answer. Yeah, I think we're seeing some of that. This is why Joe Rogan 
has more subscribers than like the New York Times, right? Well, I don't know what it, I don't know the actual number, so don't quote me that that's actually true. He's he's massively successful. He's successful because I think he's genuinely curious, and people can most people who listen to him know that he's not backing the perspectives of every person he's having conversation with, but he is bringing on really interesting things that are challenging what we believe or think. And so you walk away from that podcast going, well, that was really interesting. I'm mulling this over. I'm contemplating it. I don't necessarily agree, or I love what this person said. I'm going to go follow them. Or I don't see where they're going, but I'm going to go follow them. Right. You know, it puts, we're noticing what really, really terrible media is because we're seeing what really, really good media is. And I'm not saying Joe Rogan's going to solve everything, but that space where yeah. people are like, this is a healthy conversation. And it's cool that that there are others in that space. So, for example, Barry Weiss, I think she's much less influential. Hmm. She's more influential, actually. What's cool is I think she influences a lot of uh, coastal elites and like people who are – she is a leftist. And mm-hmm. it's actually, occasionally it's hard to listen to her because she's really open and honest about things that are like disturbing to me. Hmm. Um for example, she had one episode about abortion, mm-hmm. and essentially she and her guest agreed that abortion is killing babies, mm-hmm. but they support it because they're like, you know, they forcing these women to have these babies would like mess up their lives and things like that. And it's like kind of disturbing because although it's stupid to insist that uh an unborn child is just a clump of cells and like not a person that's stupid. At least now the person isn't like, I'm okay with murder and hard situations. And they're basically saying like, Hey, abortion really stinks because it's killing babies. But I think it's a good thing that it's a, it's possible because otherwise these situations and like, I'm glad they're like open and honest. And then it's also like really disturbing and repulsive. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So she's like a total leftist, like super pro choice. She's married to another woman who's also a journalist. So like, she is, like, New York Times, but she's, like, wait, why is the New York Times, like, trying to silo and silence their voices? Yes. So, like, she's interesting to me. And that, But that makes you interested in, in her side of the argument. Yeah. And I think that that is what we need more of. Vice versa, right? We, yeah. need, we need people who are more right-leaning, uh, Republican, conservative voices out there yeah. bringing on other people that are getting people down the left going, well, you know so, what? Wait a minute. So, Ben Shapiro, have you listened to his Sunday special? Mm-mm. Okay. So, his daily show, I do not recommend for a few reasons. One is just too much content. I feel like he publishes, like, you know, a couple hour of hours of yeah. podcast every day. Most yeah. of it's also, like, super news of the day. Um, I would say when I first got into him, he talked a lot more political theory, political trends, cultural issues. And then it got more and more to like, hey, these were the tweets yesterday and I'm going to talk about them. And I'm just like, I'm not interested in hearing (laughs) people like, you know, just bash stupid tweets all day. Uh, So I I stopped listening to him years ago regularly, but I do have mad respect for him. I think he's he's fairly intellectually honest and uh, he does this. I don't know if he still does it, but the last one I listened to was from like seven months ago. I just listened to it like a week or two back. Um, but he has these Sunday specials where he has on just lots of random, interesting people mm-hmm. and kind of has a Joe Rogan-esque long-form conversation, yeah. something like this. And and it's it's I really enjoy his his basic take. I feel like he's pretty intellectually honest, even though he's like obviously very uh, forwardly and candidly yeah. conservative and mm-hmm. has a lot of opinions. I don't love everybody he works with at his yeah. shop. That said, I, I think... He doesn't even agree with everyone he works with. Yeah. And so they've, they've hired people like, 
Uh, he's got Michael Knowles and some others. They've hired Candace Owens, and I I don't enjoy her content. Yeah. Even though I actually agree with a lot of her points, the I don't delivery enjoy her. that. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Jordan Peterson's over there. Right? What? Jordan Peterson is he on the Daily Wire? Peterson actually, yeah, just recently yeah. in the past couple yeah. months started which, working for them, which is interesting because one one person that I really enjoy listening to, and I've mentioned before, is Africa Brooke. Yes. And she was a self-identifying former lefty that left the lefties to be a middle. I don't know. She's not conservative by any means, but she um, realized that she was part of the problem of being part of this ideology that just silences anyone who is basically rumored to be a bad person to listen to. Um, And my favorite interview, and you can watch it online if you look up Africa Brooke, Jordan Peterson conversation, uh, she actually does this interview with Jordan Peterson and and, uh, it almost makes me cry when I watch Doesn't, like, him she cry. Doesn't Peterson cry? Okay, yes, yeah, because Jordan does. Peterson's crying because yeah. he ha- he like spent so much of his career talking about propaganda and Nazis and the dangers, and then because of his stance, people called him a Nazi, and he actually was a, a, a portrayed, I think, in a Marvel comic as a, as a Nazi. Wow! And he's like, uh, and and Africa Brooke admits that she she was like, I only saw a couple you know, comments that you made totally out of context. I made this massive judgment about your character. And so um, somebody's like, well, you probably should listen to this person. He says a lot of things that you actually might agree with. And she was like, no way. He's <laughs> over there. And she was like, fine, I'll listen to him. And so she starts listening. And she's like, I was came in. and was like, okay, I'm waiting for the thing. Where's the thing that I'm going to be like, ah, got you. Right. And then she realized that's kind of what she was doing. And then she's like, okay, well, let me take a step back. And, and she's like, oh, no, he's, he's right here. I disagree with that. And he's like, oh, well, he's, this is well thought through. You know, and so she changed her entire perspective. And she goes, oh, my goodness. Like, what? Who, I'm doing this to other people. And so I really enjoy her um, Instagram, and she does lives and has people come on, and um, it was really interesting conversations. But uh, it's that cross, you know, pollination. But it's really hard. Yeah. And and I'll I'll admit I don't know who the people are on the left that I've done that to because it's it's such a subconscious thing. I don't know who the people are that they're like, hey, if this person came on in a podcast, you should go listen to it. I'd be like, no, I'm not gonna listen to that guy. Right. That's uh, I'm tr- I'm trying to think of. Do you know Piers Morgan? Pierce Morgan, yeah. I, I think he's like a more reasonable leftist than people think sometimes. Yeah. Um, he, uh, Bill Maher. Yeah, I like example. Bill Maher. That's Actually, what I'm saying. It's the, it's the ones that, that I the think I don't like. the Shapiro Sunday special I listened yeah. to. I think in maybe like March or April. Yeah. Shapiro had Bill Maher. And I mean, yeah. Bill Maher is super progressive. Very, yeah. What also like frustrates me, again, the reaction thing. I just don't like reactionary thinking. Yeah. It, like, it... It upsets me. And so when Joe Rogan, like, was, uh, I, I think, and I don't mean this in a pejorative way, I think in a good way, he was skeptical of the vaccine. He was just kind of like, okay, let's, yeah. let's see. Like, prove some stuff to me. Like, tell me what's okay, up. Okay, you've got he two cards. Anti. Let me see you when you get five. Right. He wasn't anti, but he was <laughs> yeah. he was uh, skeptical or critical in, like, a, in a critical thinking way, yeah. not like an anti. And, uh, and all of a sudden, I think he became, like, a lot of people's hero briefly. And, yeah. like... Hey, like I actually love I love uh, Joe Rogan, <laughs> dude. Sometimes I just like forget like the name of the person I just yeah. said. <laughs> yeah. Like yeah. I love Joe Rogan. I think he's inspiring and awesome and really yes. interesting. He's not like conservative or libertarian. Yeah. Um. And and I saw this in a lot of my conservative libertarian esque friends. Yeah. Who are like Joe Rogan's our hero, and I'm like, yo, I think you should listen to Rogan. I've been listening to Rogan on and off for like. I don't know, the better part of a decade. Yeah. Uh, he's a really interesting guy, but he's not, I mean, I, I think in 2016, he supported Bernie Sanders, mm-hmm. which again, I'm not like, don't listen to Rogan. I, I actually listened to him last week. 
Yeah. I listened to probably only like one in five of his episodes. Again, yeah, just here and there. When somebody says like, oh, this is a really good right. one, I'll, you know, I'll like highlight. But like, yeah. I love him, but he's not like, again, people just have these reactions. And I think similarly with Bill Maher, I know a yeah. few people who heard some of his like COVID reaction stuff, yes. which I loved. Yeah. But like, I was like, oh, Bill Maher's amazing. I'm like, just but, say no. Right. <laughs> he basically hates Christians. <laughs> just so you know. Um, yeah. But but like, no, I, I do. I, I enjoy Bill Maher. I, I've watched Bill Maher on and off for I don't know, 20 years now. And yeah. I enjoy his takes. I find yeah. him much more interesting than like a Sam Harris, which briefly was like yes. an intellectual dark web hero. Yeah. And I, I've not liked Harris since I became familiar with him in high school. I feel like he's intellectually a lightweight and yeah, he's just, I, even of like the big, the famous anti-theist Harris yeah. first came on the field to me as an, uh, an atheist who mm-hmm. is anti-Christian. Yep. And, but of the big three, it was Dawkins, Harris and Christopher Hitchens. Mm-hmm. Um, Hitchens was the most interesting. I, I felt like Dawkins, although I, I assume he's a brilliant biologist. Yeah. Like his arguments against Christianity and God were like just laughable. Yeah. Harris was petty. Hitchens yeah. was obnoxious, but actually pretty smart and kind of funny. Mm. And I enjoyed Hitchens. I don't know if yeah. you like Hitchens at all. I haven't read too much of Hitchens stuff now. He he died, I don't know, yeah. like 10 years ago now. Um but he did a series of debates with Douglas Wilson. Douglas mm. Wilson is a, a a very sharp and very conservative Christian in the Northwestern. Yeah, I think he's in Idaho. And uh, but they actually did a series of debates in person, two thousand five ish maybe. Yeah, and it was pretty interesting. But but Hitchens was sharp. Anywho, Harris not my fave. And and people they'll see like a comment and like form these massive opinions. We all do it. Yes, that's yeah. I don't want to, but. Yeah. Now, now here's a another person because I, I do think they're it's exciting. This is an exciting trend. You have the Rogans. You also have the Weisses. You have mm-hmm. the 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 Shapiro, which I, I don't think is daily. You'd catch this, but it's something yeah. special. He has like a Bill Maher on, yeah. and they have a great conversation. And I think Glenn Beck minutes. is doing something similar, trying is to it? get some people from across the aisle, Super trying cool. to get people and just having a sit down conversation, like what's going on. Yeah. Right? Are you familiar with Lex Friedman? I've I've heard the name, but I don't know. Okay, he, he has like this style that initially is a little like. It's it's so low energy. It's it's hard to engage at first, mm. but it turns out he's a great interviewer. He just did an mm. interview with Kanye West a couple of weeks ago. Oh, interesting! Yeah. It was fabulous. So yeah. They were talking about Kanye's comments regarding Jews. Lex Friedman is a Jew. I think he's Russian born, okay. so he's actually immigrated to the United States. He is now a U.S. Yeah. immigrant. I think his familial history is relatively recently Russian and Ukrainian. Okay. And he might even speak both languages. I'm not positive. Um, so it's, it's, he went to Ukraine a few months ago. It's, 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 he's an interesting thinker at this mm. current moment. He's been on the, on the Rogan podcast several times. Him and Rogan yeah. are, are clo- good, close, like personal friends. He's also, it's interesting because his world is he's an MIT engineer. He's a professor at MIT for several years, focusing on machine learning, artificial intelligence. I believe his particular research mm. was... Uh, now how you use a CAPTCHA to try to differentiate between yeah. a, a human and a computer. He was essentially using CAPTCHA-like information. So like the movement of your mouse, the, the the pattern of your typing, but not to determine your humanity, but to actually determine your identity. So just wow. as you might like read somebody's fingerprint mm-hmm. or scan their or iris. Or people write to determine who wrote exactly. the letter and things. So, yes. so, so what, he was, was he, yeah. what he was working on, I'm not sure. It was just research. It's not like a finished product. But he was doing research into how could you have a device that the entire time you're using it, it's authenticating that you are you. Hmm. 
and it locks you out as soon as you are no longer interacting with your mouse and keyboard the way Ethan interacts with his mouse and keyboard. Weird. So like he would just do yeah. continuous logging. So he'd just do keyboard logging, mouse logging, yep. and watch the way people... So so CAPTCHA is actually... Um, they're not just looking at the image, but they're actually looking at the speed, the, the behavior, order, and yes, the way yeah, you yeah. move your mouse, etc. Hmm. So he was doing that though to not determine humanity but identity and interesting yeah. work. So machine learning, that kind of stuff. But um, he is—he's recently had on—he had on but Shapiro mm-hmm. and great conversation. He also had on a guy named Destiny. Are you familiar with Destiny? He's a it. streamer who does a lot of politics and philosophy while he plays i don't <laughs> know like starcraft or something <laughs> sure <laughs> um, but like he's this really interesting fellow i came out of like the vegas world yeah. and just uh but super progressive and friedman he's just a really good conversationalist draws mm. interesting things out of people but yeah. he also like he'll stand up to you so with kanye yeah conley even in the conversation kanye was just like the jews this the jews yeah. that and friedman was like yo don't just say the jews like who is it that offended who specifically you? yeah because he's like the jews like owned my music he's mm-hmm. like the jews did not own your music like name names who was yes. it that like was like you felt like manipulating into bad deals like mm. maybe some people wronged you yeah. But it wasn't the Jews. It was maybe yeah. some people who are Jewish. Right. Uh, it is interesting. Um, and by the way, I, I don't mind at all. It, it's just like you might say, like, it's interesting that there are a lot of black pl- pl- players in the NBA. Yeah. Did you know that, like, 30% of NBA teams are owned by Jews? Uh, the the number of Jews that you encounter as, like, agents, as high-rolling lawyers in the film industry is, like, heavily Jewish. It's mm. it's kind of again I don't care it's just an interesting thing uh, it's fascinating to me that in the midst of a lot of persecution over the centuries mm-hmm. um, yeah I was just chatting with a guy I've met this term he studies at Clarkson he is he's Jewish and I like some of his ancestors I think he his family comes from uh, actually Germany but they immigrated to the United States pre World War Two. They they were like bankers and don't mm. like it's just it's really fascinating that you have a people that over centuries have consistently been high performers, high achievers, very uh, like in character, temperate and driven. It, I don't know. Have you ever made that observation? And again, I'm not interested in exploring for long, but it's it's just fascinating to me. I'm like, wow, that's impressive. Like, there's something to learn, maybe. Well, I, I think a lot of things inevitably come back to culture, right? Yeah. How, how your your family model, your community model. Um, and so, you know, the, the, the Jewish example here is interesting because it's both a faith and also a racial category. So, yeah. um, you know, again, this is all, all generalization that, that we're talking about. But um, you, know, you see it with certain um, uh, families who are of Asian descent and, uh, that immigrated here. And right. there's, but it's not just the family, but they're tied into the community. And we have this, even though we're a melting pot, we have a community of like-minded people that are similar yeah. by either religion or racial categories. Um, and so we're going to have certain subcultures in the larger culture. So I think what we're maybe it seems like we're talking about is there are some there's a subculture in america um of certain groups of people that have certain commonalities and and so that's going to be self-reinforcing because that's part of the group that they're in um doesn't it's not an attribute that is ascribed to them by the thing that defines them but it's it's a homogenous thing that they you know um gravitate towards i don't know if that 
No, I think culture's huge. And and I think some of the current conversation about racism tries to downplay culture. Well, um, so this is in, so, yeah. so interesting. Um, in, in the book, kind of going full circle here, the uh, live not by lies. One yeah. of the things that they were talking about is w- one of the decays of a society is the destruction of uh, cultural shared things. So whether it's a holiday or a history or um, what is it that binds your society together? Institutions, cultural institutions. Yeah, cultural institutions um, or societal institutions that are specific to your country, right? And so when we start losing those, then you start actually alienating yourself from your own fellow people. Mm. And that's a huge indicator that things are going south. And that was one of the indicators that was happening in Soviet Russia, well, before it was, you, you know, Soviet Russia, uh, transitioning out of the, was it czars? Into... Yeah, czar Nikolai. And then there was a revolution. This is right around World War I. Um, I don't recall the particular yeah, timeline. Yeah, I can't remember the name now. Um, oh, what they were called. I think uh, Nikolai was still czar in, at the beginning of World War One, but I think the revolution happened by the time the war was over. They were in revolution. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's just, it was interesting that they tie some of this back. And, and I think we kind of see it here where it's like, you, you can't celebrate Thanksgiving. You got to know about the real Thanksgiving, right? Right. You're like, okay, you can't have Christmas. You have to know about real Christmas. Oh, well, you can't celebrate Christmas because somebody celebrates Kwanzaa and somebody celebrates Hanukkah. So let's not celebrate anything. And it's we're into this weird, weird time where um, I think the glue that existed as this like cultural binding thing, it's actually dissolved. It's gone. Huh. And we are, we're just, uh, we are... In relationship because we're forced by proximity but we've actually divorced a long time ago and we're just cohabitating right um and i i don't know if there's a new thing that could revive that um but i think america is losing it um you have the like re-revision of america's history to make america not worth fighting for anymore Mm -hmm. there's a whole group of people that are like like Trust me, I think our government is really messed up at the top. I think there's so much corruption in social media, in involvement with pharmaceuticals. I, look, we've been through that. But right. um, I don't know that, that that's not the same thing as to say that what America was founded on and the beautiful idea that we have rights that are God-given that are not given to you by your government. They exist, and your government is supposed to respect them, and they're under your, your rights. Like, this, that's phenomenal. Like if we can try to revive some of the beauty, even if, yes, we got it wrong as to who it applied to in certain people groups, that wasn't great, but it's maturing. It's like one of the things that like Frederick Douglass, Martin Luther King Jr. They, 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 they called attention to current or present problems by appealing to like a vision, the American vision, the the American, like we have to, let's live up to this thing. Like this idea of, of life, liberty, pursuit of happiness, this idea of, 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 of a limited government that respects like liberty and freedom, like this is a beautiful thing. And, and so they would address present problems, but by calling, not by like, they, they wouldn't point to the present problems and say like America's bad. They'd point to right. the pre- pro- present problems and be like, America's greater than this. Like let's, yes. let's grab yes. a hold of this founding yep. vision, mm-hmm. um, which that's not the current... That's not a super popular way to address problems today. Yeah, or whatever on, on on any side, and yeah. I think like there's even on the Republican right side, uh, it feels like liberty and freedom. But I also think there's there's some in there that is 
that's not that. Right. Um, well, some of it's even reactionary. And, and I don't know. I've actually had multiple conversations with friends in the past two years about like Christian nationalism. Mm-hmm. Um, and some of it, even disturbingly, was somewhat ethnic nationalism. Um, and, and it's like, whoa, like this yeah. was like super fringe mm-hmm. 20-some years ago. And now all of a sudden... I don't know. People like I know are like at least playing around with the ideas like in a serious way. Which, well, we're self-isolating. Yeah. That's what my point is. We're, we're, we're cohabitating, but we're not actually in relationship. Hmm. And so who are you going to gravitate towards? More people who think the same. So you have a gravity. Everyone, you know, it's like I, I find it hilarious that people on the left are like, oh, you are in an echo chamber. I'm like, <laughs> that's because you're looking at me from your echo chamber. Like right. we're all in self reinforcing echo chambers, every single one of us. But who's willing to sit down and have a conversation and be like, hey, what's it look like from your bubble? Here's mine. Help. Like, right. let's have a conversation. Uh, that to me is the important part, not whether we're in bubbles or not, because we all are. And and if we're cohabitating and self-reinforcing we're going to build up the strangest ideas uh and all you have to do is listen to somebody who is clearly in a bubble bubble on the other side it's like colleen loves listening to my wife uh, colleen loves to listen to npr yeah. and she's like they're saying the exact same thing that we're saying but from the other side it's like they're just as like terrified of government overreach it's like you know when when we were talking about roe v wade and the changes were happening and and people were like delete your your pregnancy tracking apps or your period apps that tell you when you're going to ovulate because the government might use those and i was like where were you (laughs) we just had vaccine passports and they're tracking your locations on your phone like how we're saying the same thing i don't want government in your phone government should be in my phone like like how did I've, this happen the, the thing is like for like 20 years now i've been like i feel like we should be able to get a libertarian majority but then seriously it, it, it in reality it's like three percent of people are actually that consistent because taking mm. an actually fairly libertarian approach requires great consistency yeah i uh, and and most people are only afraid of government overreach when they're not controlling. And that's exactly and, and right. And that's what everybody's hypocrit- oh. hypocritical. And that's, and that's the- it. And that's where I'm like, your poop smells. Like, and if we just realize that, we all get together. Like, hey, do you want the government to control your the other party? And you're like, yeah. You you yeah. Like, okay. Well, what if we just don't do that? And yes. Like, all right, let's do that. It's it's like my kids. Oh, you know, I love my kids to death. They're amazing. Um, and uh, so many arguments. Oh, man, Jamie, it's like they want me to solve every problem. I'm just the I'm I'm like and, and Colleen as well. Like, right. They come to us and they're like, well, there were three M&Ms and and he got two and I only got one. And I'm like, so do you want me what I want me to come over, reach inside his cheek and pull out that one M&M that he ate more than you? Yeah. Like, guys, maybe <laughs> next time you eat the other two. Don't I don't need to solve this. Can't you guys have like a conversation? Right. You know, they're they're nine and seven. So at this point, maybe that's too high of a bar. I don't know. But it's just like so many of those that it's grating. I'm like, I don't want to be big brother. Yeah, I can't. You know, uh, have you read the coddling of the American mind? I, I, I haven't read it, but I'm, okay. I'm definitely familiar with it. Yeah, yeah the uh, I haven't read it totally. I've just skimmed parts, and the title yeah. itself is pretty explanatory. Yeah. But the idea of, like, free play and things like that with kids, um, and, and I love that because some parents, they they feel like they should solve every little problem. Yeah. Like, yeah, no, no, no. no. Like, Three M&Ms, let me cut like that third one in half. Your kids. And again, obviously, parents need to be involved. I'm yes. pro-parenting. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, like... 
you know, particularly maybe your kids are still a little bit young, but like around like the middle school years of being like be with a friend and like figure things out. And yeah, yeah, every football game turned into an argument about the rules, but we had arguments and we didn't go to the parents. We like tried to figure things out. Yeah. And so it's, and you're that line. <laughs> you know, I don't, I don't want my kids to have like an argument that's really important to them. They come to us and us just like turn away and be like, go oh, figure it out. Right. Well, you know, um, but it definitely, it feels like it's way too much with our kids. Uh, but that's how, I, when I see that happening, I'm like, oh, we're doing the exact same thing with our government. We're like, oh, he has more M&Ms than I do. And it's like, and some of them are valid concerns. I'm not saying, I don't want to poo-poo, right. like, real problems. Like, they're, they're very real problems. But a lot of these real problems, I think we could, we could reduce alarmism. We could find, like, less uh, aggravating or uh, antagonistic solutions that mm. are a bit better Amen. if we just sit down and talk through some of these things and and try to collaborate a little bit better across aisle um, and we're just more generally curious um, I like it those sound good and on that let's call it a wrap sounds <laughs> thanks good for thanks coming for, on, yeah. yeah thanks uh, peace <laughs>